the football pod. Booing and the jeering and the anticipation. And then as he strikes it, there's that intake of breath because he puts the bloody ball 14 yeah. yards beyond. The, the second he hits it, I knew we were under pressure. Like. Subscribe to the football pod on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, it's bang on half past seven. It is Monday morning. It's Jaron Nathan with you all the way through until 10 this morning. It's Kerry's world and we're just living in it, Nathan. That's how it works. Where's own Sheehan, Jer? Where is own Sheehan? I'll tell you where he is. Outside D2 getting his photo with Sam Maguire at half four in the morning. Yeah. Where's his journalistic integrity? You're not going to get any from him on this show all this week. Oh, yeah, there it is. There it's a disgrace. <laughs> That's uh, the brother and the dad and uh, own Sheehan with Sam Maguire looking pretty happy with life. Four hours ago. Uh, yeah, so what is that? It's, yeah, half four. There you go. We were laughing at the time, but he had his 20 quid ticket for D2 good and early. Like so he was front week. row. Right. Or uh, how does it work? I, was, I, I actually was wondering where it was, but then obviously that's where it was. Um, it looked like there were a lot of people there. I suspect there was, uh, because they were in a very crammed hotel. I know we're going to go live to the team hotel uh, a little bit later, but uh, on the Sunday game last night when it went over, it was... Uh, Limerick, Limerick seemed to be in a far bigger hotel. Certainly a bigger room in uh, the hotel last week where there was uh, a little bit of social distancing allowed. The Kerry lads were properly crammed in together. Social distancing, so 2020, Nathan. That, all that stuff's over, right? We're done with that. Uh, what did you make? Uh, brilliant. Really good, entertaining game. Uh, you know, Galway and Shane Walsh. Oh, my God. Uh, like the point he scored midway through the first half where he's running down the left wing picks it up on the run, cuts back in his right foot uh, and straight over the black spot from a mile out. And you just thought at that stage, maybe, maybe, uh, go are going to kick on here. But from 15 minutes to go, it felt very flat. Like Jack O'Connor, big decisions, takes off his two most experienced players at halftime, uh, goes with jugular and, yeah, Kerry, I think, fully deserved the victory. In the end, you just wanted Galway to have one final push, but... Uh, Probably the key players in that last 10 minutes just couldn't impose themselves at all. And like, can you win an All-Ireland when one of your two stars barely gets a touch on the ball for an hour of the game? Probably not. Um, their inability to get Comer into the game when he was clearly struggling or they were struggling to get him into the game, that's going to haunt them because he gives them something that they don't otherwise have. I think, um, was Conroy injured? I'm not sure, because he just didn't have the impact of the game. There was a few opportunities in the first half for him to kick a booming point, and he didn't take it. And he thought that like some of those scores might have been inspirational, and they might have had an impact. Um, but also, I know, Kerry managed the game in the second half really well, even though they were clearly very nervous and really feeling the pressure. So that's the bit. Afterwards, the general consensus was, this is not going to be a team that goes on to dominate. But actually... It wasn't. You never really thought when Cluxton kicked that score, for example, to get Dublin over the line first. Oh, this is a team that's primed to dominate. The domination comes over a period of time as players get better and better, and there's a lot of room for growth in that Kerry team. If they were controlled in the first half instead of kicking seven wides, they could have kicked five points, and then there would have been a five-point lead at halftime, and everybody would have gone a four-point lead. Everybody would go, oh, that's you know, that's about right on the balance of play, but. Like everything went right for Galway with the exception of getting Comer into the game and, and maybe Killian McDade's eventual injury which kind of took a little bit of the zip from his legs in the final few minutes. I don't know. Listen, maybe they do but I think we sat here this day last year and you felt that maybe Tyrone were going to go on and do something special over the next three or four years and we saw how 
flat that was. Now, wow. the history of Tyrone is very different from the yeah. history of Kerry. Well, but Kerry they did kick seven, eight wides in that first half. Yeah, but Kerry have Clifford. They do have Clifford. They, they do have Clifford. Uh, Clifford, but Clifford came through at the same time as Sean O'Shea. And they're now just becoming men, right? And that team also won four minors in a row. And that production line is starting to bear fruits as well. So that, I think it's a completely different scenario from last year with, with Tyrone, who you kind of felt came from nowhere a little bit. You didn't feel that last year. Last year you were predicting they would win three or four in over the I, next decade. I did not. You I, absolutely I, did. And I, I, I still think Tyrone are going to be contenders next year. I think that uh, they had a down year this year. But you can, you can definitely see that this Kerry team is set up in a way that uh, other recent All-Ireland winners, um, that Donegal team did not look like they were going to win. Absolutely. Like you would expect, and like the, again, the history of Kerry is that they will go and they will win many more All-Irelands. Will they win three, four in a row? I don't know if they're that far ahead of everybody else. Like It does feel like a pretty exciting time in Gaelic football that there's a lot of teams pretty close together. But, as you say, Kerry have the stardust because they have Clifford, who it felt yesterday almost effortlessly just kicks seven, eight points. And some of the best points you will see at Crow Park when his team needed them, when other players weren't stepping up, when Gailey was really struggling, when you know Sean O'Shea struggled to get into the game for large parts of it. Like he was the guy in the first half that kept the points taken over. And I don't... Did he get man of the match? I don't know. by the time uh, man of the know. match was awarded last night. I don't know. Uh, who, did someone will tell us? Um, like, should Shane Walsh not have got man of the match? Possibly, but again, the last 10 minutes is a 70-minute game, Jer. Clifford got it, yeah. Clifford got it. Clifford was always going to get it. Um, He's football of the year now as well, right? Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Like the other contenders. Like Thomas Sullivan probably went into the game as a contender for footballer of the year. He did. And ends the game not even getting an all-star. So, you you know, you've got to... I I don't know. I did still think that... um, Being a little bit churlish here, like uh, David Clifford, all-time great, plays really well. But I do still think Shane Walsh was man of the match in that game. Because, like, it was... Okay, it wasn't entirely... It wasn't just him, but um, Clifford had a better supporting cast. Mm. I'm, oh, well, Carrier built around Clifford, so you expect that from him. Where Shane Walsh, we went into that not quite knowing. And, he, like, in a way, it's a coming of age, but like, he's 29. So, unfortunately, we thought this was maybe going to come five, six years ago. He didn't have the supporting cast around him then, and they were obviously struggling in Connacht at the time. I guess a great Mayo side. Uh, but you just wish that actually Shane Walsh would get three or four more years of this. And maybe we do. Maybe we do. But it also feels as though there's a very good chance that that performance is one we're talking about in 10, 20 years, is that one day that Galway and Shane Walsh turned up in an All-Ireland final. Yeah. Um, one of the great All-Ireland final uh, performances in defeat um, somebody brought up Peter Callaghan uh, a little bit earlier on and that's a fair a fair shout well I think it was statistically as well obviously Canavan as well I think kicked 11 points that day and you'd be glad to know Aidan O'Sh- uh, Killian O'Connor kicked 10 points on a couple of occasions didn't quite get the medal um, yeah Killian like obviously great footballer heavy scorer kicks freeze like, never had a, a performance from play like Shane no, Walsh's. I, I, you're right. I don't think too many players ever have had a performance from play with the quality of points been scored. It, was, it reminded me a little bit of Paul Mannion in the semi-final a few years ago against Mayo, where he's kicking points off the right, kicking points off the left. And he, he was just on it. Like, he decided he was going to bring this Galway team with him. And it was such a shame that they couldn't get Comer involved. And I was sat pretty much right behind Porrick Joyce. Again, you read a lot into things you don't quite understand, but like Damien Comer did seem to be looking over to the sideline a lot during the second half when he was stuck in at full forward. And eventually the call came 
to drop a bit deeper. But by then, Kerry were able to sit back and were almost happy to let him have the ball out in the 45, knowing that there's no way he's going to run through 10 players. So, yeah, like Walsh couldn't do it all on his own. Uh, you know, Finnerty didn't have his strongest game. Kelly didn't have his strongest game. So if it wasn't Shane Walsh, it didn't feel like it was going to be anybody else, with the exception of Killian McDade, who probably also had a bit of a spell as, where you know he dipped during the game, and that's when... That's when Kerry just ran riot. Yeah, bringing Conroy off, uh, McDavid definitely got it, picked up an injury and seemed to be kind of holding it for a few minutes, and then still was able to uh, show for it again. So, like he, he's emerged as a proper leader for them, and he's not going to go anywhere for the next while as well. So, plenty for Galway to be positive about. If you are a Galway fan, we'd love to hear from you. Oh eight seven nine one eighty one eighty is the WhatsApp number, or you can leave a comment in the YouTube stream. Shifty lad says, lads, you got to get Comer in the game. Corner forward, wing forward somewhere. Full forward wasted on him yesterday to not have a shot. Shane Walsh was just amazing. Jerry Lynch says, a fascinating game of football. From a neutral perspective, it was just brilliant. Kerry's depth kicked into a great team. Clifford deserved man of the match for me for being on the winning team. I mean, we are, we're, we're picking nits here. Um, well, that, like this, this is the problem with Clifford. Are we just going to give him man of the match at every All-Ireland final for the next 10 years? Like, we probably could. Potentially. Uh, Bobby Dwyer says surely the GAA championships are over now onto the real football with the Premier League back in less than two weeks Bobby Dwyer of course is our resident Spurs fan who I bumped into on the street uh, on Friday night or was it maybe Saturday and um, yeah hello Bobby I had a low moment yesterday Chair. Nice a to low meet you. moment oh, I yeah. knew, obviously with Kerry going and All-Ireland final was always going to be a bad day uh, but I was walking out of Crow Park walking out and minding my own business with some happy Kerry fans like you know one of the problems with Kerry winning an All-Ireland compared to when Galway winning it is like with Galway you get joy and absolute jubilation whereas Kerry they're, they're kind of happy and they're thinking I probably will go to work tomorrow uh, so he said what do you think of that Chair?" <laughs> I was like sorry who's he, he talking to uh, what do you think Jer <laughs> whoa you got a face for radio Nathan uh, OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day it is time for well before we get into it uh, every week we do this right and uh, every week I butchered the intro uh, for an effortless finish to your day every week we're giving away a Gillette Labs shaving kit to be with the chance of winning just let us know who you think should make the performance rankings. The best place to enter is the Off The Ball Instagram page. You'll see the comment box in our story. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on their second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is, was just lacked that intensity. Uh, we didn't even mention the, the golf, Nathan. You know, it's... Um, we're all, we're all uh, a jubilant Irish golfing population after Darren Clark's success. Does this mean he's good enough now to get invited to join the Live Tour? Uh, word was that Darren Clark turned down the opportunity nice. to play on the Live Tour. I would have said uh, man number one straight in, but maybe I underestimated uh, Darren Clark. So do you want to start on Ryder Cup captaincy slash golf or do you want to start in Galway in we, the red? We, so, uh, yeah, let's start with Galway, as, as is the order. Well, you lose an All-Ireland final, you're going to end up in the red. Um, did they did they not have the depth of Kerry or were Kerry just more clinical in their substitutions? Like to take off their two most experienced players in Paul Ganey and David Moore they, they at were, halftime. I think, I think you're, you're over-egging the substitutions. Like uh, David Moore apparently had been sick and was not good in the first half and Paul Ganey wasn't good in the first half. And so what are you going to do? Like they picked those players, those players... Uh, could have been dropped in advance of the game like uh, you know they had no choice you still got to do it these are experienced players and I was listening to 
John Fogarty and Cullum Keyes on with Steve-O yesterday, ahead of the game, and both of them were talking about Jack O'Connor, and one of um, Jack O'Connor's greatest traits is his in-game management and his ability to spot things and his ability to make these changes. He's done it consistently. And it did feel like Kerry were obviously under huge pressure, though probably relatively satisfied to be only a point behind at halftime, considering the amount of wides they kicked and they hadn't really played that well. And you felt that Galway had unloaded on them. But it did feel during the second half that Galway were more hesitant in their substitutions. And again, there was a lot of conversations going on between Keen O'Neill and Port Joyce and a lot of looking around and a lot of looking at options as who do we go with? But maybe that is just that strength and depth. That it is, you're, right? You're, yeah. you're, you're take, whoever it is, you're taking a chance and hoping that it's just their day rather than knowing you have somebody on the bench and exactly what job they're going to do in that situation. Whereas you know exactly what you're getting from the two Spillans in particular. And there is a there is a case, like why why didn't they start? You know? Uh, so look, I, I, I think that um, a guy can't be too annoyed, right? They're, they're definitely annoyed about the free um, when the game is a, a draw game. And their player wins the ball and it's coming out and a handy free is given. You're like, oh, that's a big call. Mm. Suddenly, suddenly we're policing the defender holding the arm of the attacker. And I, Brian Gavin, in his piece in The Examiner today, is saying it's a free. The referees have been told to blow this. I'm like, fair enough. But is that the only incident? Well, that's probably why that Port Joyce was as frustrated because even in that passage down in that corner around that time, there was a load of little incidents and a little bit of pushing and shoving and it was scrappy. And if you don't blow for any of them, referees tend to just let it all go. And whoever comes out with the ball comes out with the ball because otherwise you give the first one. You get the first little slip and the little push in the back. And you but again, isn't really a free because someone's off balance and it's not, you know, it's not that intentional. So to pick up there, and as Port Joyce said, it was a two-point swing. Like, you know, they go away, have all the momentum at the time. The crowd are it's up. A big turnover. Uh, it's a big turnover. And you give it to David Clifford, and you know he's going to kick it over the bar every single time. So it was a huge moment. And obviously, go away, never score again from there. So it was, a, it was a big, big moment. But it did feel that Kerry were probably going to have enough. And listen, now, go away in a similar-ish situation to Kilkenny a week ago where they... They gave it their all. They left it absolutely all out there, uh, probably. But I think the difference, and the big question mark, is around Comer and how they couldn't get Comer into the game at any stage. Yeah. Um, if they were going to win, they needed him to score a goal, really. And ultimately, the difference between the teams is four points. Now, it's hard to know in those Helter Skelter final few minutes, like Kerry could have scored a couple of goals. And uh, maybe that's just their experience and game management is not risking the goal and not risking the momentum swing or the confidence that uh, Goy are going to get if they if they miss it. Because the two fisted points in the final 10 minutes are actually both really good goal opportunities. Yeah. And maybe they score both. I don't know. Like it, it maybe if you're a real killer instinct and maybe next year they'll go for goal for those and they'll score those goals. And it's like a 218 to 16 points and we're like well that, that seems like a fair reflection of the of the performance um, so I don't think Galway can have too many complaints No there's the Conor Gleeson in incident as well uh, when the Galway goalkeeper comes out and fouls and you know could he have been black carded for that quite possibly so there was it, it, when the game is level and it's that tight and it's that late and obviously everything after that goes in Kerry's favour it's totally understandable I think the poor choice would look at it isolated and say that was the swing in the game that pushed it towards Kerry but it did feel as though they were a stronger side like where Galway go from here they came an incredibly tough route to the final through Connacht it'll be a similarly tough route next year uh, Comer's going to be 29 by next year's championship Walsh is already 29 
it did feel as if this was their their time. Well, we I mean we've already said Kerry are going to win the All Ireland next year, so like, what's the? There's no, no point in anybody showing up, right? Dubs will be back. Uh, Mark Dunning says, does Jason Foley not deserve some credit for Comer not getting into the game? He does, yeah, he does. Um, there had been some rumours that um, uh, he might have been injured um, in the build-up and that obviously did not perform like somebody who was injured. Uh, Kenny the Dad says, go away, a breath of fresh air in the Championship this year. They were never mentioned as contenders by any of you throughout the year. That's not actually true. As soon as um, Colin Boyle came on and talked to us about the uh, impact that the backroom team changes might have had, we were all like, oh, okay, so... You're adding in defensive solidity and a plan to their exuberantly talented forward line. At that point, we started to um, take them more seriously. And yeah, and then uh, Goey in the red, shameful, says Kenny the dad. Defend yourself there, Nathan, from Mayo. Defend yourself, why are you putting Goey in the I red? don't pick these. Colin Buhig picks them is what I, how I defend myself every single weekend. Is if you're lo- losing All-Ireland finalists, unless you were Kilkenny last week, who managed to get in the amber, I'm fairly sure. I, I think it's a bit harsh on Goey to be in the red. What, a, what a coward, Colin says in my ear. That's fair enough. Uh, prime rib of mayo bitterness here the beef is real says Danny Mac one that might be closer to the truth Danny Mac so yeah no, no, I um, I just got an interesting uh, meme uh, from a friend of mine which is you know Mel Gibson talking to Jesus yeah uh, Galway fans explaining today's hurt to mayo fans <laughs> uh, I look I, I was walking in and uh, towards the Hogan stand and there was a lot of confused Galway fans who were trying to get to the Cusick stand through the route to the Hogan stand and I was so tempted to make a smart comment about them not knowing their way around Crow Park and I thought it's just, it's just not the right time leaving myself open to a lot of abuse here as a male man uh, you were going to mansplain to Galway how to get into the ground basically basically yeah uh, right so Galway are in the red we, you, you feel their pain and absolutely you know it is like there, there was, it was lose there. another 10 and come back to me then Galway it was there for them though that was I think that's the, the heartbreak for them is that actually they were really in the game and they had an opportunity to push on and when they got level uh, uh, in the final quarter they didn't push on they seemed to go into their shells a little bit and I don't know if that's if that is inexperience of, of being at this level or if it's just them not being good enough which is also possible or again maybe it was the way Kerry set up where suddenly Kerry again put 14 men back behind the ball just left Clifford up there and Galway again Comer drops out so suddenly there's a lot of Galway players out around the 45 and they seem very happy to just keep ball but then the couple of shots they had in goal went wide and you've just spent three or four minutes with a lot of energy almost because it's the last five minutes of an All-Ireland there's a bit of panic when you have the ball at that stage and they lacked that bit of composure and it, maybe it was just that bit of energy in the last 10 minutes but again I, I don't think there's any great shame in any way with the way they lost the game yesterday No except that maybe they have unleashed the, the Kerry wave now and they will be the new unstoppable juggernaut We'll see uh, Right Ryder Cup captaincy Yes Well it's not <laughs> not a good time for Team Europe Jer can you believe it all that unity that has held uh, this great continent together for so many decades in the Ryder Cup and managed to take down the Americans well it's been blown to smithereens hasn't it by Henrik Stenson walking out on the Ryder Cup captaincy uh, in all seriousness I think this is a huge blow to uh, the Ryder Cup as an event uh, to Europe for Stenson to take the gig and then within three or four months decide actually screw that I'm taking the money from Liv uh, did he use the Ryder Cup captaincy as leverage Quite possibly. Was Henrik Stenson worth £10 million back in February and then he became Ryder Cup captain and Henrik Stenson's suddenly worth £50 million. What period of time do they get the money over? How does this work? Does anybody know? There seems to be several, uh, several different thoughts on this. So it, it, there was a rumour at one stage that the money you were getting in advance, 
So say a Charles Schwartzel got 20 million, that any winnings earned were held against that. So okay. you got 20 million, but then Charles Schwartzel won the first event and he got 4 million, but he was getting that anyway, so he doesn't get the 4 million because... He's he, already got the 20. other people have said that that's nonsense, actually. You get the 20 million And the front, 4 million. And you get the 4 million. And you get the 20 million up front. In, in one go, does it does it arrive like it is an investment fund? So do they spread it out over the course of five years? Because listen, I, I think you're touching on one of the other big questions about this as to how long does this last? Because like there's no doubt now, like there is a enormous split in golf that's only going to become greater over the next few months once the FedEx Cup is done and there's another bucket load of money. Uh, one, a lot of those players will take that bucket load and then decide, you know, I'm going to go over to live for another bucket load of money. But is this a Three-year project, a five-year project, a ten-year project, a fifty-year project by the Saudi Investment Fund for golf, or is it a p- case that in five years' time they go actually? How, how do how how are we tricked by Greg Norman? How, how, how do we just spend ten billion on golf? Actually, let's move on to something else. Let's so, buy the New York Knicks and let's buy Manchester United and let's focus somewhere else. Uh, I don't know if you saw there was a story in the Guardian. Um, uh, maybe it was on Friday. It was the amount of money that the oil and gas industry have made over the last 50 years. Three billion a day profit every day for the last 50 years. When you accumulate it is uh, trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions. So the oil and gas industry has delivered $2.8 billion a day in pure profit for the last 50 years. So ultimately, they could spend a couple of billion on this and it's really, you know. Oh, they've, and they've already committed to spending uh, a couple of billion on this. But at some stage, surely, no. somebody asks the question. No, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, I think. I think it doesn't really? matter because they have so much of it. Is 20 million in Gray MacDowell the best way of spending 20 million for us right now? No, but, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It, like it, that's the problem here, is that ultimately they can continue to spend money because they have so much of it. And, and it, it becomes devalued as a, as a currency, literally, from their perspective. So you may as well give it away to Charles Schwartzel. I'm, I'm just interested in, in like, uh, do they make you earn it? Like, what if you, you kind of take the 20 million and then, oh. Uh, Back injury. Very difficult to pin down exactly. One of the C something vertebrae is just a little bit, you know. Again, I think this is part of where nobody knows what will happen next because so this year it's an eight team event and a lot of the lesser players, the lorry canters of this world, it seems are tied up to playing three or four of these events. As part of their contract, they won't be in all eight, which gives them the wiggle room to bring in three or four big names, uh, new big names for every tournament. But the world rankings are a huge issue. So the biggest problem Liv has at the moment are the world golf rankings. And an awful lot of the players by Augusta next year will have dropped out of the top 50 in the world and won't be eligible. Now, they have players like Sergio Garcia and Dustin Johnson who will get in anyways as former champions. But for a lot of the players, if they don't get over the world rankings issue, like Sergio Garcia will have played his last Open Championship. So like they're accepting that. But there's a feeling that because they own the Asian tour, maybe the players will go and play in the Asian tour to keep their world ranking points up. But then you're like, but you just told me you didn't want to play that much golf. You told me the whole reason for going here was because you missed your family. Yeah, you wanted to spend lied. more time with them. <laughs> but they lied. But now you're willing to travel around the world. Okay. Like, th- these guys wouldn't leave America for years to play any tournament. Yeah. Yet now they want to see the world. So everything that's been said is a load of nonsense. It's all about the money. And you touched on it there, the money doesn't matter, which means even the criticisms, and I get like the PGA Tour is not a perfect product in any way, but they're not going up against somebody. Like the biggest criticism is the amount of ad breaks. Like the only reason Liv can't have ad breaks, or don't have ad breaks, is well, firstly, they have no sponsors at the moment. 
but also they're just throwing obscene amount of money at it so they don't need to do it so it's not a fair fight in any way it's not a realistic fight that the PGA Tour can ever go with so I don't know how this is going to develop but for the European Tour uh, already they've lost Garcia, Poulter, Westwood and with the way European golf is at the moment I would have expected that at least two of those would have been on the team next year they've lost their captain as well Who's and what do they do now uh, it looks as though they're going to go to one of the old guys. So do they go back to Thomas Bjorn, who by all accounts seemed to do quite a good job at the Golf National? Uh, or do they look for a Paul Laurie, who a lot of people would feel was maybe overlooked, obviously a major champion, was a big part of the Miracle in Medina and has been a very good European tour player through the years, but maybe not quite a huge name. But can you get a, can you get a contract that's so watertight that these guys aren't going to go? Like, is that your... Is that your number one reasoning? Who can I trust? So, for example, like Thomas Bjorn is, if, if Liv Goff got Thomas Bjorn, well and good, you know, give him five million quid. But if Thomas Bjorn is the European captain and you're at war with golf, as they seem to be, do you just go to Thomas Bjorn once he gets the captaincy and say, here's 50 million for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what do you do? Do you hang on till three months beforehand before and see who's left do you and make, make a decision? Rory McElroy, the, the Playing captain? captain. You know, like, and then he picks he picks vice captains and they're like, vice captain, no, nah, probably not. You're probably not worth 20 million. But like, you know, it's somebody who actually does the job on the on the course. Is that what happens? I don't think it does. It's too soon for that, it feels. But like, they could well end up in a scenario. And listen, the Ryder Cup, I know it's not important in many ways. Uh, but for one weekend of the year, every two years, it is the biggest event in golf. Like it, you know, it draws in the most eyes. People, it draws in the people who aren't interested in golf for the other two years. So to have it damaged like this is disastrous. Right. And also for the European Tour, like they make all the money off the Ryder Cup. So I, I don't know how it's going to go. But Henrik Stenson, what are you doing? They're going to have to make a deal. That's what's going to happen. Uh, right, Liverpool transfers are in the amber. Quiet weekend. Blame Buhig. That's what we should rename this slot. He couldn't come up with anything else for uh, the Amber. He wanted to put Shane Walsh, I think, in Amber. And I was like, you can't just put Shane Walsh in Amber. That's even more no, nonsensical. It's not. It's like he should have been in green. He, really? like, he, he should have been green. He's obviously not going to be happy because his ultimate Could we have put goal. Cody in Amber? Well, well, let's get to that in a moment. Uh, why are Liverpool's transfers? Uh, are, are they short? They might well be a little bit short in midfield. Uh, when you look at the signings they've made, and obviously Darwin Nunes uh, played one friendly and there was criticisms about his finishing, and then he played another friendly and he scored four goals, and it turns out friendlies are a load of nonsense and you can't read anything into them at all. Are they? Because it looks a little bit like uh, Gabriel Jesus is playing quite well at the moment. But Gabriel but Jesus was always going to play well. Gabriel Jesus generally played well for Manchester City. The expectations were different, though, at Manchester City than they will be at Arsenal. His XG, not good. Uh, his performance against XG, not good. For, for Manchester City, City. Yeah. Uh, Jesus you don't play that often for Manchester City and also he didn't always play as a central striker for Manchester City over the last couple of years like yeah. they often stuck him out on the wing but I think Jesus is going to be a brilliant signing for Arsenal particularly with the three players they have just behind whatever three they go with with Saka and Smith Rowe and Martinelli and Odegaard you know, do they still need something in the middle of midfield is Zinchenko going to play in the middle of midfield for Arsenal Maybe. if Kieran Tierney is fit they don't need him at left back so uh, we saw Zinchenko uh, for Ukraine, just how brilliant he could be there. I think it'd be really interesting for Arsenal if uh, they play him in the middle of midfield. And obviously it was an interesting weekend in friendlies, more for the fallout from that Arsenal 
Chelsea game where Thomas Tuchel has thrown his arms up in the air going, like, not getting the players I want. They've obviously lost Antonio Rudiger and Andreas Christensen. It looks as though Aspilicueta and Marcus Alonso are going to go. And they've been linked with Jules Koundé from Sevilla for years at this stage. And there's a feeling that that may be hijacked. Uh, that maybe Barcelona could somehow find the money to sneak in there. Apparently, like, it's hard to have sympathy for Chelsea. Like, they do seem to be getting away with the Roman Abramovich era and the change of ownership scot-free. And it can, again, still spend as like, we were questioning their entire existence four or five months ago. Uh, yet now they're still signing... Koulibaly and Raheem Sterling and spending right. insane amounts of money. Like, yeah. they, will be, they will be just fine. Uh, the, the one question mark about Liverpool, and we're only five days away from the uh, Community Shield and seeing Liverpool against Manchester City, and again, people will read an awful lot into that. I think it's just in midfield. Like, every other area, they have a lot of options, and they do have plenty of options in midfield, but they haven't added anything uh, over the course of this summer. Maybe Harvey Elliott plays in a slightly deeper role. I kind of saw him over the next couple of years maybe been the backup to Salah out on the right-hand side, but maybe he plays in a deeper role. Now, they do still have three out of uh, Fabinho, Henderson, Thiago, Chieta, and Curtis Jones make it on again this year. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is in there still as well, though. You know, has he got any great future? Uh, but that's the one little area you would look at. I think if City hadn't gone and spent the way they have and bought Erling Haaland and uh, Calvin Phillips and probably Kukurea from Brighton still to come, you would look at Liverpool and think they're, they're well set, but it's just, are they well set to keep pace with City? Yeah, and City are completely unstoppable when it comes to the league. So um, maybe they still do need to, if you're a Liverpool fan, you, you want to make a point to us, we're all ears. Well, are they, are, are they, as they've done before, just holding fire for Jude Bellingham? And waiting till next summer, knowing that Dortmund, because they sold Haaland, won't sell Bellingham as well this summer. Yeah, the trouble with that is that like um, you're a further season down the line, and you've had another year of, of Mo Salah, and you want to just make sure that you you you're at bat, you make as much progress as you possibly can, um, and that arms race is not going anywhere. Uh, all right, so Kerry, champions after eight years in the green. Yeah, Jack O'Connor, eh? Jack O'Connor and Kerry, uh, fourth All Ireland, third spell in charge. They see he was the oldest. Manager of a All-Ireland winning football team. How old is he? 61. Did Mick O'Neill win? In his? No, I suppose Mick O'Neill was a young man. when he. This is the thing. This is the thing. Uh, yeah, fully deserving. Obviously went in as strong favourites yesterday. Raging hot favourites. And a slowish first start. But there was a load of brilliant individual performances, I think, away from David Clifford. Even just in that first half, like the amount of brilliant blocks they got in. The Sean O'Shea block. Uh, Stephen O'Brien got a couple of brilliant blocks in. Got a right kick up the arse from Paul Conroy for one of them. Uh, like putting their body on the line when they needed to. And the way that Shane Walsh just absolutely roasted Thomas Sullivan. Some of the other defenders, you touched on uh, Jason Foley. We, you know, we talk about Damien Comer as if it's all on the Galway side that he couldn't get into the game. Uh, but Foley was obviously exceptional. And, you know, eight years, they sort of feel as a famine down in Kerry, it turns out. Uh, I know. That's why it's hard to have too much joy uh, in this. It's like, you know. But to win just defensively, once, as the uh, saw doctors would say. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Uh, like defensively, they've just been a revelation this year. There was, I always go back to the semi-final against Mayo from what five years back, and how they just ripped them to pieces again and again and again. And there's just been massive doubts about that Kerry defence. But O'Connor's come in, conceded three goals all year. Ta- tally. Paddy Tally came in. But Paddy Tally comes in. Like 
you know, Paddy Talley comes in. and We're allowed to give Jack O'Connor some credit here. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not giving him He credit. brought Paddy Talley in. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, this whole, I'm sick of that Northern crowd. If they're up there set dancing twice a week, we'd all be set dancing twice a week. It turns out you are all set dancing twice a week now. At halftime, uh, like, the if you... I, I'd love to have seen the same game played out uh, between Armagh and Derry, say, and the halftime analysis. If you just put different coloured shirts... On those teams, the halftime announcement would have been, oh, look at this. I couldn't tell if you were being sarcastic with that tweet. Uh, completely sarcastic. 100% sarcastic. Like, I actually really enjoyed the game. I think that uh, th- there was a period of time where rugby was really good, where the best teams would go up against each other and uh, the game would be in the melting pot right until the end. But then they completely changed the rules and, um, I don't know, they, they, they tinkered with it so much. I fear that they're going to tinker with the rules of Gaelic football because we're getting really good All-Ireland finals at the moment where teams who are relatively close in standard are playing out close games and it's very tense. Like That's what the Dublin Mayo games were like. Guy probably not at the same level as that Mayo team just yet. Um, but maybe they'll get there. Uh, I, I thought the game was really good. It's just, it's just constantly being dismissed when a team plays defensive. It's like, oh, this is an abomination. This shouldn't be allowed. This is crap. Why, why is the game no good? Why are they trying to keep possession? It's like, well, because that's how you win games. And the job of the management team and the players is to win these games. And um, we need to stop looking for aesthetic pleasure. Well, there's different levels of quality as well. It, you know, Donegal, the prime example on their journey under Jim McGuinness, that when they figured out the attacking side, suddenly it was absolutely brilliant to watch. Yes, they were very defensive. But both these sides have such attacking talent, even though they went back with, you know, in Kerry's case, 14 men behind, Galway, 12, 13 men behind, because they had so much attacking talent when they came out with the ball, when they did win it back, I think you can put up with it a, a whole lot more. And you can't expect every team to have that attacking quality. So a lot of teams, when they're defensive, it's just when it goes up the other end of the pitch, they can't keep hold of it. They can't kick the quality of points that we saw yesterday. And it can be a little bit dour. But like, was there anything wrong with Kerry's game plan? Like, if they lose, like, if they lose yesterday, are we... Are we because I did feel they like I said to you during the semi-final against Dublin like God if Kerry were to lose this in the great traditions of Kerry football to be sitting back against Dublin a Dublin they're clearly better than with 14 men behind the ball taking no risk and just leaving David Clifford up there are we destroying them for that or is that actually the best game plan well, it turns out it was the best game plan um, yeah well, I mean if they if they lost an All-Ireland final where they're four to six point favourites depending on where you're looking you know, that would have been a crisis because they would again have failed to do what they were supposed to be doing. Um, uh, Owen was comparing them to Mayo in the semi-final at various stages and yesterday again, he uh, he dug up the, the previous one. Uh, it's like, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. So look, uh, fair play, Kerry champions and really well set up to dominate for the next while and they should enjoy this because they're in a sweet spot now where their best players are of an age where there is still more to come and like, was Clifford fully fit this year? I'm not sure. Remember, they, he, is, he, does, is, he, is he faking it when he's going around looking shattered after ten minutes? Uh, <laughs> I think he's got that um, Damien Duff mm. ability to like just the hands Trying on the to hips. lulls the defence into false sense of security. Yeah, and then he like flies through the air, literally flying through the air like Superman at one stage mm. in the first half. Um, I I think the advanced mark is bollocks. Oh my say. god! It's like a complete waste, right? But uh, when he does it, you're like. Maybe, maybe you justify this rule just because like you're doing that thing. But like, wouldn't it be much better, more exciting, if he was then trying to do something else? Well, you know? the two yesterday, he probably wouldn't have been able to do a huge amount else. Like they were the reason the mark is there. Like he is head and shoulders above everyone with this obscene catch. It was the semi-final against Dublin 
where there was a mark and he's isolated one-on-one -on -one with the defender and you're thinking, no, 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 no. And it was a brilliant carry move to get it to him and he gets around the defender and he smashes this in the back of the net. We're talking about one of the all-time great goals but I'm sure he's under orders. You've got to take a sensible option here. But like the two catches yesterday, I know again you can look and look at Sean Kelly and say, can you do a bit more? Can you step in front of him? But even no, the movement, yeah, yeah. even the movement, he makes three or four separate little sprints just to get out. And the thing is, when you're sitting in the stand, it's so easy to see where the ball is going. Like the second one, you're thinking there's no way he's getting this. When the ball leaves the foot of the player playing it in, there's no way he's getting anywhere near this. He's yeah. about 30 yards away. And the speed of him, yeah, it was... Like, we are all guilty already of just taking everything he does for granted. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Brian Cody in green. Uh, yeah. Uh, did he announce it on Saturday to overshadow the football final? <laughs> is, that, is that the peak hurling? Um, that peak hurling people were at? Well, it was Wednesday that the, the first rumours started coming yeah, out. Yeah, at that stage, obviously. I think... Um, but David Herdy had said to us that he had heard the previous year that he was going to go, that was going to be his last year. But he, he kept going, obviously, because he did think there was one chance to stop Limerick and they nearly did it why now though why now yeah, has he looked at Limerick and thought actually you know we gave absolutely everything out there we played as well as we could and we still couldn't beat them and TJ Reid ain't getting any younger why now because well, he's had 24 years I know but next year could be the best one yet like another chance to take down Limerick as they're going for four in a row he's like they're going to equal your Grey Kilkenny team yeah. Don't let them do that. Henry's going to be back in the dugout again for Galway. Like, you're going to be the main man all year. Surely there's a bit of ego in there. Um, uh, yeah, okay. So that's your, your, your um, paying testimony to him now by saying, why, 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 why don't, are you walking Don't over? leave us now. Uh, that's insane. Like 11 All-Irelands, 18 Leinster, 10 National Leagues. Uh, just the sheer longevity of it. Maliki Clerken pointed out in the Irish Times today, he spent two days of his life doing post-match interviews. <laughs> that's at a conservative estimate of, uh, of 10 minutes per post-match <laughs> post interview. So he's probably spent a lot longer than that. Uh, so you can understand why he wants to get the hell out of here. Uh, but... I was talking to a Kilkenny man last night who was 48 and he said literally half my life this man has been you know, there for uh, all of the big games that I remember. And so when you think about what it actually means to Kilkenny people, uh, you know, the, the broader kind of context of like, is he the greatest GA man of all time? More than likely, right? Mm. More than likely. And you can make that case. And obviously the uh, unsavoury element with Shefflin this year, people will, I think, get over that in time. And, uh, and that's not going to be... A, it'll be a little tiny part of his legacy but uh, you'd have to say that it's an incredible quality of achievement the, the, the one thing is that they had great hurlers and um, to be able to get the great hurlers to continue to play for you in the style that he did is really remarkable and again it's like that that whole style of management I think is is dissipating Um and so there just won't be his likes again. Like, you know, no one's going to be able to do that for that length of time um, as the demands increase and everything kind of gets bigger and bigger. So, yeah, fair play, Brian Cody, fair play. You did well, Brian. Yeah, you, you, you did well. Uh, right, that's this week's performance rankings. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. Yeah, that was your Gillette Labs performance rankings. OTBM brought to you live every morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Up next, live in studio with Anthony Moyles dissecting where the All-Ireland final was won and lost. First, former Kerry star James O'Donoghue talked about the future of this Kingdom side under Jack O'Connor following their huge win yesterday. Back after this. And there's been such a turnaround of players um, 
since we won the All-Ireland last. So these fellas needed this. They needed to kind of validate your Kerry career to win All-Ireland. And the thing is that it's there for them now. The confidence that they can take from this, the David Cliffords, the Pawdy Cliffords, there's actually something there now where they can go on and hopefully be in contention for a long time yet, a couple of years, really give it a rattle to, to kind of set a dynasty. I mean, that's a lot easier said than done. But coming off the back of such starvation, thanks to the dub success, I mean, Kerry really are trying to push this team forward for, for success. But yeah. I mean, look, it's just a, it's just a great it's a great day for everyone, for the supporters. Everyone is staying back now to celebrate with the team, and it's just a great atmosphere. The only thing I can see is the older fellas have their kids out as well. I hate seeing the older fellas with the kids out because it's like a kind of a retirement strategy. It's like uh, if I bring the kids out onto the field one last time, I might pack it in. So I can see. Uh, I could see Paul Ganey there with uh, with his young lad and uh, and David Bourne as well. So hopefully there's another year in those lads yet. Yeah, well they are. There's they're the two as well as um, I was trying to pick out all the players who are over 30. Stephen O'Brien as well. But as you were saying, like the, the rest of the players there, we're looking at you know Graham O'Sullivan 24, Jason Foley 24, Sullivan 25, O'Bug League is 25. A lot of players there around the right age. Gavin White as well. Jeremy O'Connor 23. Sean O'Shea, 24, as you were saying, like there really is the potential for this Kerry team to go on a bit of a run. There is. And Paddy always says it, getting the first one over the line is so important in terms of not learning success because it gives you the confidence. Kerry have won this going down, you know, going down the, the, the narrow side of the game against Dublin and against Galway. They were levelling behind in both games and they, they just pulled it out of the fire. So the, the belief that will give a 24-year-old when you don't even you haven't even come near your best yet. I mean, you're probably not hitting your best until you're 28, 29. So these fellas have another three or four years development and they've had three or four years of kind of disappointments which will fuel the fire for them. I can't stress how much a couple of narrow defeats fuels the fire for victory. It just really does set you up. You need to lose a couple of those close games to really make sure you get over the line in the future. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, Anthony Moyles, good morning to you. Morning, gentlemen. How are um, we? In the end, in the end, it was kind of what we expected that Goey put up a great fight, but just weren't good enough. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You could summarise it like that. Um I was I was confident enough. I was buoyant during the week for Galway. I'd flipped a little bit, um, and then kind of coming closer to the game, I was kind of thinking, uh, actually, you know, because I, I I essentially was basing it all on the bench and the impact of the bench. But then when I kind of went through the Galway bench, I looked at it and I went, actually, they've even less weapons than Kerry have to come off the bench. So uh, my my whole thesis was around the fact that they should have enough up front, and if you take Say Walsh and Comer, they that that'll be two versus one when you just have Clifford on the other side. And I thought that if Comer can chip in with three or four, and Walsh can keep, chip in with six or seven, they'll be kind of there thereabouts. But what unfortunately. happened? What happened, to Comer? Was he just very well marked? Well, we've spoken about this all year. The defensive structure is is very well set in Kerry now. Morley does an unbelievable job. You know, people can Morley does work that. If you go back on the tape and watch it, you know you can see that he is cutting out balls that just never come. So fellas look up, and you can see it on numerous occasions in that second half when Galway were trying to change things and get ball into Comer straight after half time. A couple of the lads came up from the full back line, looked up as if to put the ball in, and you can just see, ah, 
avenue cut off, we have to switch and come back out. So Morley is doing all of that unseen work and he's protecting Foley unbelievably well. Is there a part of, in a game like that, where you just have to take the risk and go, this is a 30% ball, but if it comes off, if it comes off once every three times, we break even and so therefore we need to hit that ball in. Is, is there, are we reaching a stage where people are too scared of a turnover? Well, I think, you know, again, I've always felt, and I think the game will, will start moving much towards this, that ultimately the teams that want to push on and win big matches and win All-Irelands have to take risks. Um, and Galway had to take risks in that second half. And I think when they were within the game, they should have said to themselves, like people were saying, you know, oh, the goal would be happy with the first half. I don't think they would have been massively delighted with the first half because I think Kerry were at sixes and sevens in that first half. They were all over the place. Bar, and even the scores they got, they got two or three handy enough marks. Um, and you're kind of saying they haven't really created a whole pile. Galway were, 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 were very, very secure. They were, they were, they were um, you know, just confident in their play um, they were still weren't getting a massive amount I thought from their full back line like I thought Kelly had a very poor game not not necessarily take away the Clifford point but you know he was a fella you could obviously see who was thinking about probably marking Clifford all week right uh, which is which is a nightmare for anyone but I think they probably should have said to him listen you are going to mark him but when you don't have the ball you are going to punch holes for us which is part of his game yeah. it's, in, it's in his yeah, armoury it had been all year absolutely massive like he's a great guy to get beyond the midfield and to run straight at defences and then slip a pass say, to Comer coming on the loop that didn't happen once yesterday and I think they needed to get Comer not necessarily they tried to get him out around the 45 in the second half but still they needed to get the ball to him out around that so he could do those barnstorming runs take yeah. a fella on hit a shoulder and you know even that direct ball which you're talking about they still didn't try that enough times so um now, admittedly, Walsh was obviously having a, like a man of the match, a man of the season type performance. Um, but without him, if a few of those had snuck wide and all of a sudden the confidence started to drain from him, you were kind of going, who else is going to stand up here for Galway? Is that just experience on the sideline? Again, you know, Jack O'Connor makes those changes at halftime. I know Jerry was saying that uh, maybe Dave Moran wasn't uh, feeling well ahead of the match and that Paul Ganey wasn't playing well, so it's straightforward. But he still takes off his two most experienced players. He's decisive. He makes that change. Whereas it felt there was a bit of dithering on the sideline with Galway, with Comer. Like the, as you said, he just left it that even five minutes too long, ten minutes earlier, get him out. Because by the time he came out, like, Kerry had sat right back. And even when he was getting the ball, they almost seemed happy to let him have it out in the 45. Yeah, there probably was, Nathan. Like, my, it's, I, I'd say it's one of the first All-Irelands in a long time where I kind of look and I go, there's not much, it's a wafer-thin squad on both sides. You know, especially up front. You know, so so Kerry have Killian Spillane. After that, now I know Moynham was injured, but after that you're kind of going, who else comes in here really that's going to make a difference? Like if you go back over the last, okay, Dublin obviously won a mountain of them, but even Tyrone last year, Tyrone were able to bring on match winners. Someone new. So you're in there as a defender, you've seen off a guy for 45, 50 minutes who maybe is fast, pacey, very, very accurate, but then a big monster comes onto you and you're kind of going, well, this is a completely different character now that I'm facing yeah. or vice versa. Kerry didn't have, and Galway certainly didn't have that. Like I think one of the lads who came on, he was making his debut yesterday, and he they didn't even forward. use all their subs. Yeah, so you're kind of going. So, so is that a lack of? They were probably playing off a very thin squad all year, and 
really the championship I suppose now is so quick fire that you can't really experiment too much you know you have to blood those guys in the league you have to get prepared and probably Galway were at a situation where they needed to hone in on their defensive qualities they needed to hone in on their game through the league to make sure that they had an All-Ireland push and maybe this year was was kind of one where they went well actually we thought we might get there next year Mm. we'll take it but actually we don't have a squad depth of 19 or 20 and I think that ultimately cost them you know because the Comer thing is if you have someone who can come in and say well listen don't worry about it I'll go in there and I'll do the donkey work for you and I'll do the hard ball you go on out now to 11 and we put Walsh on the wing that makes a bit of a different that, that gives you a different look for Kerry but I think Kerry were quite happy. They were kind of saying, listen, we'll have Morley in front of him. We're not going to ca- get caught like Derry did. We're not going to give a goal, okay? How many goals have they given away? Two or three in, in, in Three year? between league and championship. And only one in the championship, yeah. So, so, so they're set from that point of view. And then they're saying to themselves, you know, we have enough elsewhere. Finnerty, you know, they, they had him handled. And then really the rest of the, the Galway lads are kind of more workers around, around the middle and stuff. But I think where Galway probably lost the game was that lack of major energy and drive that they were getting from their full back line especially Kelly daily coming forward I know he came forward once or twice but they really missed the, that kind of real drive and that and, and as you say taking risks that was know? on purpose like that was because they were concerned about the being turned over and conceding the goal or was it that why, why did that happen do you think? it's a horrible situation to be in right because you're marking the best player in the country Okay, so at the end of the day, you can always you can all talk about it. But the three of us can talk about it. And I say, now listen, Nathan, when I go, you pick Clifford up, right? And Nathan goes, yeah, yeah, sure. And then Nathan doesn't pick him up, <laughs> right? And the ball gets slipped to him and he sticks it in the back of the net. And straight away, fingers are pointing at me saying, what were you doing up the field? Yeah. Like where, so if you watch him, anytime he went, he, he, he was running with one eye back. Definitely. Whereas in other matches, he was just gone. Well, definitely got to the halfway line a couple of times and kind of pivoted and turned back and you're like just keep going because yeah. someone someone needs to keep going yeah someone will find um, so, so there was there was never a real kind of an idea you know the way sometimes you, you watch a game and all of a sudden a two or a four are in behind the defence yeah. and they get a pass yeah. and they stick it over the bar and like in modern day football your full back line needs to be as prolific nearly now as your full forward line because ultimately fellas will let them go and they'll end up popping up somewhere else but he he, he just didn't finish the job if you get me so it, it, it was fear I think of obviously what Clifford could do um, there was maybe a fear of well actually if I go who's going to pick up the man but I think it's an area that Galway needed to make sure like we spoke about this saying that I thought Kelly would put Clifford on his back foot I, I just keep running him back down the pitch yeah. and it may have resulted in Clifford getting a goal or a, but like he still got whatever he got mm. so you needed to make sure that at far end I'm at least going to try to get two or three assists at far end yeah. which didn't happen for them yeah okay the um, post-match there was definitely somebody from the Galway backroom team over talking to the referee about the free kick that he gave when it was a draw game, 67 minutes on the clock. Uh, Galway won a turnover in the left corner back position. They're coming out with the ball and it's a free in and it's a handy free and Clifford takes it, chips it over and it's like, and the Galway never get back level after that. Um, it felt like it was important and it felt like it was slightly inconsistent with some of the stuff we'd seen beforehand where, like the hurling, everything was kind of let go you know once you realise the rules of engagement are, this is going to be grand when the ball's in a rook anything goes keep the play yep. moving let's go and then all of a sudden to okay now now I'm blowing this up that seems to be important I think I think oh, I have a little bit of a grand they didn't see the game out in a 
you know, and they lose by four points in the end. But it was a big call. It was a massive call. Um, the referee's handbook and everyone else would say, oh, it was a free. Yeah. But there's a free and there's a free. And there's a moment in a match and there's something where you pull out. I also thought the other one was a bit strange where the... the um was the ball up. Yeah. You know, that could have been... Mm. Like, I mean, literally that was... It was one step over the line and he was outside or inside. So, yeah, you know... You like to see referees making those calls. I remember in the semi-final against Derry, McKinless got done for the same kind of thing where he was grabbing fellas and going down and a free against them. It is it is something that they're looking out for. But at that moment, because I, I, I thought probably Comer got got fouled before it when he actually turned the ball over from Murphy. You know, he got he got hit back down to the ground. The ball spilled away and they managed to get it back. But it was an enormous... It was a big swing because you have the ball, you're in control of the ball. And at that stage... That score for Galway potentially could get could take three or four minutes. Yeah. You know, if you're controlling the ball, all of a sudden it's seventy minutes facing a kick out from Kerry and you're a point up. Instead you're sixty seven minutes, we're a point down and we have to get the ball all the way up the far end of the field. And at that stage it, the, the pitch becomes twice the size it really is. So it is an enormous call. If it happens in the fifth or sixth minute, you kinda of go, that doesn't really make a difference. Well if it happened but at in the that fifth stage, six minutes, if if because are we saying that that had not happened at all in the game up to that point? That you know, like Oh it happens it, all the time. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and so you were letting it go earlier, but now you're not letting it go. Yeah. Like, um, up to that point, I thought the game had been refereed really well. But I do think that, like, I can see why if you're a Galway, uh, that's going to haunt you. It's. It, I think it is going to haunt you. I'm. I'm. I'm still sli- I'm sli- the best team. Yeah, I'm slightly. I don't think Daly needed to do it because he actually had a man behind him who he should have just turned around and slipped the ball to. I don't think it was the the losing of the game. Sorry, it possibly was the losing of the game. But I think Galway could have won the game. I think genuinely Galway could have won gonna, the game. I'm going to hold you there. We're going to go to the, the team hotel oh, in just a moment. Just a moment. Just a moment. <laughs> yeah. Who Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but but Kerry ultimately had, you know, the player of the year. Uh, they were more efficient and they had a much, much better defensive structure than, than Galway. And they saw it at the game. You know, they managed the game. And uh, sorry, and they also had the guy to come in and make the impact off the bench, which was Killian Spillane. Yeah. Um, he is a completely different player. It's, it's the point you're making about, um, you know, you have, you have one test and then you have another test and he's completely different from the player they replaced him with. 100%. Well, he was, he was very direct you could see, look at me, he kicked a bad one when he came on mm. off his that memory. Just, and I kind of thought, oh, that's not going to be good for his confidence. But he came around, took the next ball, took, I think, um, who did he take on on the outside? Kieran Malloy took him on the outside, went around the one, he fisted over the bar. He also, you know, he, he, he was a guy who was constant threat and he was someone that Clifford needed in there beside him. Um, so I think he got to and was had a hand in, obviously, the, the, the free for the third one. So he's, he's, he, he made a big difference. He essentially saw out the game for Kerry. Um, how, how many All-Irelands are they going to win was, um, was Tommy's last question to Paddy Andrews. That was a ridiculous question, but it's not really. How many are they going to win? Like the, the thing about it is, again, I'm going back to my earlier comment about the the the, the razor thin kind of panel. Like, if I look at the rest of the chasing pack, shall we say, there's a lot of very strong squads and teams in there. I don't think anyone would be kind of looking at Kerry, kind of going, "Wow, these guys are going to dominate for the next seven or eight years." Okay, well, let's let's head over to the team hotel. I'm delighted to say we've got Jack O'Connor with us. Uh, Jack, <laughs> good morning to you. How are you? Well, I was off in healthier, but I'm really happy. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about um, the, the feeling in the immediate aftermath, because you, you talked a good bit about the pressure that the team were under. So is it relief? Is it joy? How does it compare? That's a mixture of everything, really. Um, 
be honest with you. This team have been under pressure and uh, I think that possibly showed, um, particularly in the first half yesterday, I think we just were a bit unsettled and snatchy at chances and that. I mean, we kicked six or seven wides before Galway had a wide and I thought, I think that was the story of the first half. We were happy enough that in general play we were doing well, but we certainly weren't composed enough up front. So it was a case of just getting them into the dressing room and settling things down. And uh, I think they showed that we kicked 13 points in the second half, which is good, good going. You said in the uh, post-match press conference there was a few yahoos in the uh, in the halftime team talk. What did you say? <laughs> no, we won't be going into that, though. No. <laughs> uh, look, I just... Look, sometimes, you know, we, we, we're normally fairly composed in the in the dressing room and, you know, there's never any loud loud talking or shouting or anything like that. But I, I felt that the boys were a bit lethargic yesterday. Maybe, maybe you know, you don't you don't use that kind of of, um, a, a, of a tactic very often, but sometimes it's needed, you know, that fellas just need to just go at the, go at the game. I thought, I thought there, was, there was a way more in us. And, uh, look, that, that showed in the second half that... that I mean, because Galway didn't go away. Like, I mean, we needed to play very, very well in the second half to win that game. Because Galway just kept at it, and uh, they went two points up. We pegged them back. They go back up again. And um, look, off the top of my head, there was nothing in that game until the last five minutes when we got a couple of scores to pull away. Yeah, the the um, intensity of your play in the last five six minutes was at a higher level than Galway's, and there was probably a few goal chances for you as well. So that was the team being calm. In the clutch moments, what do you put that down to? Look, the team, the, 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 this group of lads are maturing. I mean, the, 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 there's been, as I said to you earlier, there, there's been a lot of uh, you know near misses over the last few years, and uh, you know w- over the years, and particularly this year, I think that you know we 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 prove they, they proved that you know they could win tight games. I mean, the Dublin game was a big landmark moment for this group, really and truly. And like when push came to shove yesterday, we had that to fall back on. That was a game that we could easily, very easily have lost. And I mean, it did take a remarkable kick uh, at the end to win it. But it was the way that we, we hung in there when the game was going against us in the second half uh, against Dublin with all the momentum and the wind behind them and the hill behind them. That was that was a, a defining moment for the group, I feel. Because it's funny, people talk about experience and how Kerry were more experienced than Galway. But some of that experience was actually losing big games an All-Ireland Final replay, an All-Ireland Final uh, against the Dubs in, in 19 as well, where that could have been something that was more traumatic. And, and that uh, and that's potentially why the semi-final was so important, because that, that was the exorcism of some of those goals, was it? Uh, possibly, yeah, possibly. I mean, my last All-Ireland Final was, was, was 11 years ago in 2011. And, and uh, you know, we lost an agonising, uh, we had suffered an agonising defeat that day, you know, Stephen Cluxton's famous free. Uh, that was a very, very tough one. Uh, did, I, did we learn from it? I tell you something. The one thing you learn is that it doesn't go away from you. You know, those those games that you lose like that, they stay with you. They stay with you in a way that the wins don't even stay with you. You know, so if you can't learn from that kind of stuff, you never learn. And so, therefore, this team, uh, when you say they're maturing, their their game management is maturing, their understanding of how to win games and, and what what's required particularly down the stretch is maturing how do you work on that how did how like what over the course of the year when did you feel that was happening oh well i think the league is a very important competition now anybody anybody who has ambitions of of, of winning the championship needs to you know be road tested in the league and the league in many ways is a simulator for the championship and we had we had some very we had some great results and some tough games this year in the, in the, in the league we 
we you know we had a game down in Tralee in the month of February uh, where we beat Mayo by a point in a, in a, in a, in a, on a very bad night with, with a huge crowd in, in, in Astastag Park I think there was maybe 10 or 12,000 there that was a game that I felt you know we could refer back to many times afterwards and and uh, we did we had a tough game of Oban Armagh. We won a tight game there. Uh, we won we won a couple of more tight games, and all that feeds into the confidence and the belief that when push comes to shove, you know you find a way. And you know that's what we did against Dublin and, and again yesterday. And one last thing, can you talk to us a little bit about the influence of, of Paddy Talley on the, the game plan and how that evolved over the, the course of the year? I uh, look, Paddy is Paddy is, is a top class coach, and uh, you know he's. He, you know, we've had great fun this year. You know, uh, maybe Paddy does things a little bit different to, you know, the way we do things down in Kerry. But uh, the balance we got in the management, I think, was very important and uh, crucial. I mean, Mike and Dermot are, are 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 great brains for the game as well, and we all contributed to coaching. But Paddy just was just a little bit different. I think he just brought the balance to the the coaching ticket that we needed. Because the defensive record is sensational. One goal in championship conceded and an absolute worldie from, from Cormac Costello to score that. Yeah. Yeah, and I just said after the you know, the game yesterday to the to the written press that uh anytime Kerry don't concede goals, you you have a chance, you know, because we, we do have, have, have forwards that can kick points. And I mean twenty points will win you a lot of games once you once you don't concede a goal or two. And that was that was that was that was the same story yesterday. Jack, I, don't, I know you don't like uh, blowing smoke up people's asses down in Kerry, and you've seen uh, you've seen the best of them. Where does uh, David Clifford rank? Look, he's a remarkable young lad in many ways. That you know the weight of the, the weight of 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 uh, the kingdom is on his shoulders. You know the weight of expectation, and the way he handles himself, the way he always comes up in the big games and in the big moments is just remarkable. I mean. After the game yesterday, just for the crack, I went over to, you know, the the corner of the of, of the Cusick and, and the hill to have a look at where he kicked that free from. That was a remarkable free. Won't anyone tell you otherwise? Like, uh, that was in Morris Fitz territory that free because um, it was an absolutely crucial score. I thought that gave us the breathing space. Uh, that was I was right out towards the sideline into a very tricky uh, crosswind in the hill 16. So that was some kick. But look, he's just a remarkable man. He's He's blessed with a temperament where uh, he raises to the big occasion. doesn't get the better of him, and sure, that's that's a great gift. It feels like this is the start of something for this team. That uh, a, a dam burst. You, you talked about Cluxton's free being your last time there as a as a manager. It feels like there's a, a similar level of talent in this group. A similar level of talent to to the, the Dublin team, you're saying? Yeah. Ah, look, I wouldn't be making those claims because that Dublin team was obviously the greatest team of all time. You know, with some of the with some of the greatest players ever, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be making those claims. No. I'm just hoping that this uh, win will, will will lift that burden of pressure off the, these Kerry players and that they can go on and 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 achieve more success. But we won't be making any big claims. We'll enjoy this one. This is this is a sweet a sweet one, and uh, we'll enjoy it. And sure, look, we'll dust ourselves down after a couple of months and see where we go. Well, look, we'll let you go. Thanks a million for uh, joining yeah. us this morning, Jack. Thank, Cheers. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jack O'Connor, obviously very happy there. Um, we, we can make some big claims about them if if Mike's not going to. They're, they're, uh, I fear we're not going to talk enough about Clifford is the thing because we've just come to expect it. Like we've just come to expect that he will deliver on All-Ireland Final Day. Yeah, like the, the funny thing about it is you don't come into the game with any question mark over that he won't deliver. Mm. 
there's no kind of like he's going to you know fill the togs here he's going to his head's not going to be right you know he's not so the only question mark you have over him is is he fit or not fit and even when he wasn't fit <laughs> he was still scoring well, whatever Jack he said scored there, against like he, Mayo he has the weight of Kerry on his yeah. shoulders and it's only when uh, you're at a final or surrounded by Kerry supporters you fully understand what that pressure is like Killian Spillane you mentioned that bad wide he kicked it was the first time he touched the ball. The lads around me were like, what the hell is he doing on the pitch? Yeah, get him off. Get yeah, him off. Yeah, like, Paul, yeah. uh, Paulie Clifford, after 10 minutes, gave the ball away. One of the lads behind me, he's only on the team because his brother's there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, it's insane. Well, the well, the, well, the level on. of expectation down there. So, so you know, like we spoke about Connor O'Connor and what the, the Kildare job and everything. Like This is his third spin, obviously, with Kerry. You know, And it's, it's a thing of he goes in again under massive pressure when Kerry are probably... Like I'd say, after the last one, did player did people blame him down there? One hundred percent, they blamed him, right? So the, he comes back in again. Backroom team change brings in someone like Paddy Talley, who I would say Kerry people looked at and went, "Sorry, this guy is a defensive coach. We're not a defensive. We're, we're playing the traditional football. We don't need to play that Ulster style type of stuff." So you can imagine the, the pressure he again was coming under. And for for a, a spell, Kerry even throughout the league, they were playing a, quite a you know counter attacking type game. Um, very defensive, um, which of course is what you need to do in the modern game. But you can imagine it's stuck in the craw of, of an awful lot of Kerry people. So he went against all of that, and ultimately he got to the Holy Grail by saying, "No, he was he was right, you know." But uh, like I mean, he deserves a lot of plaudits um, for obviously doing it and doing it his way. Um, he's a smart backroom team, like Mike Quirk and a couple of other guys around him. He, he you know, and and. I think you know he he alluded to it, and obviously you heard them saying it last night. They won that game last yesterday in that last six or seven minutes when they have lost games recently in that last six or seven minutes. So that's a big swing. You know, people might say, well, what like the Dublin game even that was a big swing. They they could have lost that game against Dublin, but yeah. they managed to. And it's actually not the scores for that Clifford gets in those situations. It's the stuff like the Stephen O'Brien blocks. It's those other things. It's those smaller things that you don't really kind of look at that that actually make those situations happen. Because um, you're going to get scores. Like I mean, you're going to get those things with Kerry. But it's the other things where the body is being put on the line, the chasing back that occurs, and you saw an insatiable appetite for them for that work rate yesterday. Yeah, and and I, you can argue over the course of the championship as well that that Dublin game like is a game that would have got away from this team over the last couple of years and and look maybe a better Dublin team would have you know and, uh, the ifs ands and uh, maybe yeah, are yeah. going to go long into the winter like uh, if Khan plays in that semi-final are we saying <clears throat> it's different I'm not sure I still think maybe Kerry might have got it done this year because there was something about them that steel was there I don't know it's a hard one and you know it goes back to your previous question about the chasing pack you know I put there's there's it's a brilliant time for Gaelic football in the sense of it's quite a level playing field at the top there's definitely six I think there's six teams if not seven teams that are you could you like you, 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 there's there's favourites but you're kind of going uh, you know on any like injuries different things to big players like squad depth like I'd still put Tyrone and Dublin squad depth ahead of the two teams yesterday the one thing is that about that squad depth is that um, there's a suggestion that Brian Fenton might be uh, thinking about taking the year out I'm not sure uh, there's, there's strong rumours that Desi might be finishing up mm. and that Declan Darcy might be uh, coming in that was uh, um, that swept there was a New York GA fundraiser in Croke Park on Friday or Saturday night 
And um, that was the seat of all rumours. Uh, that's where the Jason Sherlock to uh, Monaghan rumour. Right. <laughs> it was rumour uh, mill. It's on the back page of the... Um, was Desi there yesterday for the presentation? I don't think so. No. I, I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure if he's he's around at the moment. Um, and so I, there's some, some suggestion that there'll be work commitments that might yeah, be, it could just be yeah. an issue. Um, but even in, into the future as well. So uh, like people in the know didn't know what the future was. So... There's a huge period of transition. There's a, a new Donegal manager. There's a new Monaghan manager. There is Derry Armagh. A new, a new Mayo manager. Yeah. All of whom will be thinking, well, if Tyrone can do that and Galway can do that, why can't we do that? Now, my one concern is, Jack O'Connor just said there, that hopefully this this victory relieved a bit of that pressure on them. And if, uh, if that Kerry team plays unhindered in the first half with, yeah. the, with the expectation, now they're like, we're all other winners. And they start getting cocky. Then you do have a, a very talented group of young core players who are actually going to get better. Clifford hasn't peaked yet. I don't think Clifford has peaked. No. no. But, so, but at the same time, I look, Moran is probably getting close to being done. Gini is probably getting close to being done. Stephen O'Brien is, like, I mean, brilliant first half yesterday, but, you know, he's a guy that you're probably saying, is he going to, he will go again, absolutely. But you're just, you're just, you're just getting closer to that other side. Whereas, and they're three big players, and that's three out of 15. So you're saying, okay, yes, Moran can be replaced. You know, they've got guys waiting in the wings to do that. O'Connor, Jack Barry, whoever else comes in. I still think they need one one extra forward. And I am not just saying a, a workhorse. They need one extra, seriously. So is that Killian Spillane who stands up and goes, actually, I can do this over 70 minutes, not just 15 or 20? That's the big question for them. Or do they bring someone, they spring someone completely out of the blue? Because all of the great teams have had... I'm not saying two Cliffords, but they definitely have two lesser Cliffords, if you get me. But you have two threats that if you take him out, you've still got this other guy in the corner who's 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 performing really, really well. Yeah. And, you know, the great Dublin team of that last, the generational team, had that. They had guys that once you, you mark two of them, someone else pops up out of somewhere yeah. else and gets yeah. one six and you're kind of going, well, geez, we didn't, we didn't countenance that. So I still think they need to find that, wherever that is. Maybe that's, maybe that's there on the bench. You know, maybe it is there. Maybe we just haven't seen it this year. Maybe there has... Because O'Connor is a type of a fella. He's always been a manager that has been very, very loyal to guys who have done it for him and have said, no, no, you will get that. Like, I mean, Paul Murphy has been there or thereabouts. And really, he... You know, once once he was gone, he was gone. And he only... But but he was still his go-to man with 15 minutes to go in that defence. But he... So he doesn't chop and change much. He doesn't just throw flyers out there um, too often. No, it will be an interesting league campaign to see if they can... Uh, well, do teams figure out how to play against them as well? Because you say it's such a condensed season now. There's not a huge amount of time, but there's a lot of new coaching tickets coming in. There'll be a lot of time spent watching the videos of the Kerry defence and what they've changed to solidify it. That actually, six months of looking at that, people will be able to pick holes a little bit easier. Yeah, but it, it, it's, it, is, it is a tricky thing to do. Like The, 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 the one, the, 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 I think it was... Um, Johnny Heaney shot I think it was Heaney's remember the one Stephen O'Brien blocked so Daly comes in and pa- pa- gives that pass but the whole idea there was to try to get Morley out of six so what you're trying to do is you're trying to get Morley looking one way 
and was was just throwing a ball to the far side. Mm. Now they tried it once or twice where they were kind of running to the right and then they threw a ball kind of diagonally across left to try and get it in behind Morley to a fella coming in from the far side. Didn't work out on, on, on a couple of occasions but it very nearly did on that occasion. But yes, absolutely Nathan, someone's going to have to decide, well, do we just push a man up on Morley? Do we sacrifice a man at the back um, and do we just go right up on them and actually have seven? You, need, you definitely need to do that for portions of the game, but Correct. then you also need an extra man at the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So you can play with 16 or 17. Yeah, that's yeah. the way to stop them. Yeah. Yeah. Before you go, Shane Walsh, because if Galway win this, like this is the Shane Walsh final. In 50 years' time, they're talking about the Shane Walsh final. Like it was Stanley Matthews-esque. I thought he was going to win. I, I'd, I, I would have given a man the match because I've, I don't think I've seen... Clifford is an unbelievable player, don't get me wrong, but I think Walsh yesterday literally grabbed the whole of the Galway team and said, listen, sit up there in my back because I'm going to do this for you. Now, he, he, he showed his full repertoire of skills yesterday. It was... It was I've, I've unfairly maybe kind of... I've questioned his resolve or his, um, his maybe his, his, his mental capacity over the last number of years but I think it was the 62nd or the 63rd minute that he had a free remember um, there was a long delay they hadn't scored mm. I think since the 47th minute and it was a tricky free and he was outstanding over it for a long long time and I said if he misses this it's all over it's done they're, 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 they're gone um, and he just he just stood up and just clipped it over the bar and like just curled it over the bar as if like that's, that's no, no problem big deal. let's go let's go again the scores from play were absolutely like I mean he's marking in my view the guy who was very close who was definitely in the top three for player of the year Yeah, sorry he was being marked mm. Tom O'Sullivan is no slouch that guy is as quick as you can get as a, as a defender very very sticky has put the X on forwards all year and he didn't get within a hand of him like he actually made him look like like he was he was a bit, only because he has had such a year and Kerry have such belief in him they left him on because you know I'd say they were saying to themselves well who else can do the job Yeah. like who else could you put on him because he was just unbelievable unbelievable like I mean what a what a, what a performance by him an awful pity for him um, to obviously it ends the way it is and McDade by the way I thought like I mean from a like I mean from a midfielder's point of view to kick four in an All-Ireland from play Nearly get a fifty. Just snapped at that one when they kind of needed it. They did, uh, yeah. But he was they had three uh, wides in a row around that period, um, and one of them was the the sideline, which you know ostentatious to go for it, but he kind of had to go for it. Yeah, I thought. I thought. They, I, I I thought that was one of those again. I thought they should have played that short. Like, I mean, they should have worked something. They should have kept the ball. I thought it was just a bit, you know, uh, you know, like I think they needed to try to work something else in that in that situation. Now he's kicking it. Yeah. So if he gets it, you go. Yeah, I was yeah. backing him to do it because it kind of felt like um, it's Morris Fitz. But uh, right, worthy champions. They were the best team this year. Correct, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, who's getting the meat gig? Having a clue. <laughs> Every time he comes in. <laughs> yeah, I thought that would have been around a rumor mill. On obviously it wasn't. No, no, it wasn't yet. high up the agenda. No, have yet. you met anybody for a coffee or anything like that <laughs> that we should know about? No, no, no. Don't know. Um, there, there's excitement in Monaghan. Uh, I've, I've met a couple of uh, prominent Monaghan people over the weekend and they were very excited about the prospect of, of J.O. coming down. Wow. So, um, there you go. There you go. Right. 
the uh, the 2022 football season is in the books. We'll ha- we'll do our power rankings with Owen when he comes back tomorrow. He can have uh, he can have a carry at number one. We've heard from Jack O'Connor on the show. We'll we'll bring you some more from the team hotel in just a little while. But a reminder that Brayburn is the official coffee partner of OTB. Each week we're giving one lucky viewer a hundred euro voucher to spend on some Brayburn coffee goodness at an Apple Green store near you. To enter, just check out at off the ball on Twitter, like and retweet our Brayburn competition post, and you'll be in the draw. Brayburn Coffee never compromises on quality or taste to give you the best on-the-go coffee experience on the road. It's available at Apple Green today. More reactions as I said from the Kerry Camp to come. First, here's the Limerick manager, John Kiley, paying this tribute to Brian Cody following that seismic news on Saturday. See you after this. There's always that tradition, isn't there, John, of the opposing manager going to talk to the opposition players. Did Brian visit your dressing room? He did call, yeah. He did in fairness. And, you know, all of those when we, when, we, when we meet them and, you know, listen, Brian, when Brian takes the, the floor in a dressing room, you know, uh, everybody pays attention and, you know, he was fantastic in the way he addressed the players. Couldn't be more magnanimous and, you know, acknowledging of their efforts and proud of, of, of his own his own team's efforts. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great battle, wasn't it, John? It was a great game. It was a titanic battle and I suppose, you know, for, for Brian, I'm sure he took huge satisfaction from their performance, you know, Probably a lot, a lot of disappointed that they couldn't get that, that little bit more, but you know they know they gave they gave it everything, and uh, listen, that was the hallmark of every team that went out under under his tenure. You know, you knew exactly what you were going to get. You know, they always got the absolute maximum out of themselves, and I suppose that's a testament to his, you know, planning and preparation and his motivation of the teams and the you know he just always had a really hard working, you know, ruthless team on the field and. That was there from start to finish. I was watching the Galway documentary uh, during the week on the 1998 season uh, of the footballers and John O'Mahony during the week ahead of tomorrow's game, John. And um, there's a moment in the documentary when Mick O'Dwyer comes into the dressing room and you can't hear a pin drop. I'd say it was the same last weekend with uh, Brian Cody and those uh, Limerick players, the amount of respect that that's there from in the game. Ah, there's huge respect across the entirety of the GA for, for Brian and his, his commitment, his dedication, you know, what he has done, you know, with numerous different teams, not just one team, you know, I think that's really the the, the, the pinnacle of it. You know, he, he didn't do one bunch of players; he had several different bunch, bunches of players, and it was always consistent in terms of you know the the way those teams performed at the very highest level. They set new new levels of performance, you know, and levels that very few were able to 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 come close to, you know, for con- any consistent period of time. Um, so I think just an incredible contribution and just. Yeah, wish him well. Wish LC and himself the very, very best. You know, they've uh, they've given a lot, and I think now you know they'll they'll, they'll enjoy their time together. I'm sure he'll be at every home match still all over the country because he loves going to all matches too together. And uh, I just wish him a long, long, long uh, years ahead of of enjoyment of the game again. That's John Cody, the Limerick manager. Uh, game recognised game. He's talking about Brian Cody there. And um, are they going to do the five in a row? I, you know, like the good chance they will. I'd imagine if we sat here in 08 with Kilkenny we would have said Kilkenny we're going to do the five in a row something happens but it's true, it, it's true. Yeah. it does but feel that, that, that there's a lot of teams coming. in a state of flux uh, it's fascinating to see what happens next how quickly they make an appointment uh, you know who are the contenders Eddie Brennan uh, it's going to be on off the ball tonight talking about Brian Cody right um I think there's a, a strong belief that Derek Ling is in the box Primed. seat and that there's uh, there's actually an under-20 management group, um, Michael Rice, uh, Peter Barry and uh, somebody else. 
um, who are also potentially they could just catapult up and, and do the gig um, Cody's got to have a big influence on that do you think so? surely I don't know yeah. hey, come on you don't let him walk away and not say any ideas who no, should I think, be next I, I think that uh, well that never works out well in is there a part of Cody that goes do you know what Shefflin stood up to me this year he stood up he's got everything you want sorry we, uh, we should talk about this right um, the again talking to Kilkenny people they're like well you can't get turned down you know you can't so if you if you are the whoever's job it is to go and appoint right so if you're the county board chairman or whoever it is is designated to do it how do you approach that issue I think you go out and you say let's just have a little coffee right and rather than say do you want the job you say what would we need to do to get you to take this job because he's the right man for the job Mm -hmm. he just has this other thing going on in his life where he's committed to Galway and the timing is not great but other than that he's the right man for the job and like now's the time because look how close they are well and when does it come up again like the next guy comes in like TJ's gone so this is this manager gets the last out of TJ yeah and and maybe Richie Hogan stays for another year and like gets, gets some game time quite possibly so like how, so you've got to go to you've got to go to Henry and say look we, we know that obviously you have a job and you're we understand that you're a man of your word and, and you like uh, that's not that's not in question but we really want you what do we need to do to make that happen is there a possibility that the last three days so Cody told him on Tuesday I'm gone I'm done hold fire Brian we'll have the new management team ready to go negotiations have been had signed sealed delivered and maybe it is and maybe it's Derek Ling and he gets mm. a crack at it because he's been around as part of that backroom team and understands what they need to do and you know obviously a good hurling man I'm going through in my head the long list of former Kilkenny players I've been texting over the last 48 hours to come on the show who are and the ones who said they would do it but the ones who were just unavailable and there was no some other time yeah well I mean think about the dream team that you could put together of lads who are like uh, incredibly into and and part of that setup, and who have like cut their teeth already like but do they all mix together like if Shefflin goes in does Eddie Brennan go in and McFenley go in? I don't know. Michael Fenley, like, PhD in mm. exercise and sports science. You're like, that would be a very good person to have involved. Also, like, gave his body, literally, to the point where... To the science of Kilkenny Hurling. You know? Uh, so, I don't know, that would be pretty interesting. So, the Jason Sherlock thing, we should just... Uh, Monaghan lining up, move for Jay. This is the back page headline on the Herald. The Herald, obviously, it's a, it's basically a Dublin paper, right? It's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's kind of supposed to be national, but, like... Small picture of David Clifford, massive headline of uh, of Jo. I I I I I recognise this. Yeah. I respect that. That's exactly. Yeah, Jason Sherlock is being lined up to become the next Monaghan football manager. The former Dublin player and coach is believed to be the chief target that Monaghan GA have identified in their search to replace Seamus McEnany, who stepped down earlier in the month after three years in charge. It would be very different from um, McEnany in that, like, uh, you know, Jo's involvement with the, the Dublin team seemed to be very about tactical innovation and um, I, I'm dying to see this I think it'll be great well it's interesting it's sort of come completely out of the blue and a very different departure from Monaghan who are in that top 8 but never quite in that top 5-6 like you, you were talking there about 
five, six, maybe even seven counties been at that top table and thinking of a chance of winning the All-Ireland. I don't think Monaghan are quite in that at the moment. They're just below, but they have been there. Uh, but again, they're in a situation where Conor McManus is getting to the stage where like, he's got one or two more years in him. Yeah, definitely. Like, So he's moved back up to Monaghan and um, doesn't have any travel to do and keeps himself very fit. So I had a little bit of a hip problem, which I think is clearing up. Um, tell me a bit more about this dinner on Saturday night where you're getting all your gossip. I wasn't at it. I wasn't even at it. Wow. Oh no, yeah. So but I was. You know people it. who were. Yeah. Well, that's so that. it was, so what was it? The New York Association. Some some New York GA fundraiser where yeah. they were honouring Jim Gavin. So there's actually a picture of uh, I think a picture of um, Jim Gavin. Was it Jim and Declan Darcy or Jim and Jo? At it. Um, Joe Canning was there. Yeah, he's, most of this is gleaned from uh, Instagram and, and other people. But uh, that's where uh, all everybody was together, and that's where the. Um, the rumour mill went wild rumour mill absolute overdrive apparently Donegal are trying to get Jim McGuinness back wow apparently they're, they're like they're making the call in the same way that the Kilkenny County Board have to make the call I love the way you're just throwing all this out there well, that's your look all of this told you in confidence outside a pub outside the, the all out of final <laughs> no, no this is, none, none of this was uh, told in confidence this was just like people um, so if you were to it's like there's a world in which Jim McGuinness J.O. Uh, Declan Darcy and a few others are like uh, new managers of teams who are looking at, at Kerry going we can do this I'm delighted that down in Mayo we're just keeping our heads down not getting involved in any I of the I did hear something about Mayo as well but I can't remember what it was now there was too much that they will botch it there was information they won't overload. be appointing their manager by social media Jared. that's the main thing are you sure <laughs> uh, who's getting it uh, Mike Solon seems to be the right. raging hot favourite right so it'd be interesting to see how that develops over a few years. Is there uh, some talk Mike, of Holmes and Canelli coming? There was. It was. I think it was more back. of a. It wasn't ruled out. Right. Is Tommy Lyons in for the gig too? Ah, Tommy. Tommy. What could have been a? Eh? What could have been? Yeah, Mike Solon. Uh, but he was. Um, I think favourite last time. Uh, even when Horan came back. Right. Maybe Stephen Rochford goes back again. Obviously, there's a strong connection there with Andy Moore, and so maybe you know, you know, when Andy's done with Leitrim, you know, he slots in there alongside Mike Solon. His brother Barry, I'm sure, would return as well as. <laughs> S&C it's all set up uh, Soft Sound says Nathan complaining about Kerry lads not social distancing is he for real bitter mayo man lol <laughs> it was a joke <laughs> you can't make yeah. jokes people do not appreciate them uh, Joe Healy says the linesman made the call on the Spillane handhold for that free by the letter of the law he was right the handhold needs to be stamped out it does but you should stamp it out in the first minute of the game as opposed to in the last minute of the game and you know uh, Morley sitting back forced Jack Barry to move towards centre back and holding centre two leading to McDade having a great game scoring four points and kicking wides um, definitely everything is uh, cause and effect and that's why those chess games in the first half are really interesting to watch they're especially good when you're at the game because you can see where all the space is maybe it looks terrible on TV because it's like pendulum back and mm. forth back and forth but like you, you understand that they're probing for something and then every turnover becomes important and the crowd gets into it um, so, well, there was that moment in the second half that's been highlighted quite a bit, where Galway had the goal chance, where the ball just needs to be popped inside. That was pretty much right in front of me, and at the time, it never felt like Galway were going to play that pass. It never felt they were going to go for broke to get that goal. That that again, that risk of turnover was just so much, and there was such a fear of it that again, maybe that's why you end up losing the game by four points. That you need a goal against this Kerry side. Yeah, you have to. You're going to have to because they are going to kick twenty points. And as Jack O'Connor just told us a while back, if you don't concede a goal playing for Kerry, you've got a really good chance of winning. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. So we're going to speak with Jeremy O'Connor and Jason Foley in just a moment. This is OTBAM. We're brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. And um, we're celebrating in the team hotel. No sign of Owen Sheehan yet. We've we've we've, we've put the call out. Jer, I can guarantee you. 
when Mayo win the All-Ireland, I will take the call. I will take the call. Um, you'll be broadcasting live from wherever it is. I mean, obviously, this is never going to happen, so... <laughs> I, can, I can easily say it. You're, uh, you're writing checks that you don't need to cash at any point. Uh, they're rubbery checks. Uh, it is 8.57 this morning. If you want to get in touch with us, 0879-180-180 is the WhatsApp number. I'm delighted to say we have all our winners, Dermot O'Connor and Jason Foley with us. Good morning to you, lads. How are you getting on? Morning. Yeah, very good. What kind of a night did you have, Jason? Um, long one. Uh, very short sure this morning. To be honest. Um, yeah, it was a great night to be there. It's all a bit of a blur at the moment. But, um, Were you in D two yeah. at four o'clock in the morning? I was. I made one actually. Um, ironically enough. <laughs> um, he didn't show up today, yeah. by the way. I hope you know that. He, you have uh, shown yeah. up. He hasn't. No, yeah, he was, he was in great spirits last night when I met him. So um, yeah, he was inside D two. Let that be known. Yeah, oh, we we saw his Instagram, so uh, we've we've got the picture of him up already with the cup. Where where who got to who who had the cup at the end last night? Does any does anybody know where it is? No idea, absolutely no idea. Where it comes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I assume it's in the hotel. So uh, <laughs> hopefully, it's been like the time the Dubs went to New York and it suddenly disappeared for about three hours. Yeah, <laughs> it's been kidnapped yeah. by somebody. Uh, Dermot, talk us through what what are your recollections of the game now? Thinking back to it, what are the bits that stand out for you? I suppose not a lot now at the moment. Um, I suppose Charlie's free actually. The very first thing he, he missed the he missed the handing up free there. Very start of the game, so that kind of pops into my mind. Um, in comparison to when he scored against Dublin, yeah, that's probably something that sticks out as well. But um, let's give him a bit of stick over that. Yeah, right. yeah. um, Jack O'Connor said in the post-match press conference that the half times there was a, a few yahoos. Was was the, was the phrase that he used? So uh, he obviously lit a rocket up your ass, basically at halftime. What did he say? Um, what did he say? What did he say? Um, the definition of a Yahoo is like what? Fellas are nearly too tired at halftime anyway. To be um, no, he just um, we just kind of weren't hitting our targets and stuff, I suppose, and um, he made sure that we were kind of back on track with our targets in the first fifteen minutes, second half. He made sure that we knew we weren't. He knew that we <laughs> that we worked in our targets. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, first 15 minutes of the second half was, um, was much better, boys. Jason, I, d- I doubt he was uh, saying too much to you at halftime because he must have been delighted with your performance uh, over the full 70 uh, with the way you handled Damien Comer. Like, so much of the talk coming in was about Shane Walsh and Damien Comer. And Walsh obviously had the game of his life. Comer didn't score. Can you talk about the prep you did for that and, and then how it worked out on the day? Yeah, I suppose for for the majority of the year, my role has probably been um, simplified. Really, just given a given a job, given a player to mark, and um, just going after that player for a full seventy minutes. Really, and that's it's it's, um, it's nice to kind of have a, a simplified role like that, where I just um, pick up a player and uh, just do my job for the team. That's my job. I'll do my job, and uh, let everything else take care of itself. So happy enough now. My mom says it. How do you pre- prepare for somebody like Homer? Is there somebody in training that you can go up against and say, right, you have to pretend to be him this week? or Because like, he's, he's a very specific and kind of unique challenge in some ways. Yeah, I suppose that's, that's, that's the great thing about the squad we have at the moment. It's the, the players were very selfless, I suppose, where, where like, I mean, I could be marking someone in training during the week and they know that I, maybe I could be marking a, a game in Homer the weekend, so they try to alter their game in training to, to maybe... Um, 
to replicate what I might be coming up against this weekend. So that's that's the best we could do. And I suppose the other thing is memory bank, really, but, but marking, marking him before over the years, and marking players like him, similar stature. Um, that comes down to a lot of it as well. So it's a bit of both, a bit of, bit of our, our forwards replicating and um, just a bit of memory bank. Yeah, and uh, Damon, similar kind of team question to you. The, the midfield battle, which obviously you were going to be central to, was going to be one of those things that decided the, the course of the game. Um, how how did you prepare for that, and, and what was your specific challenge over the course of the 75, 80 minutes? Um, I suppose, yeah, cause the midfield battle is very important. Um, Dave and Jack and myself were kind of just given the, the role of trying to feed the ball into the boys and let, let them do the work inside in and pack them back, work hard. Uh, I suppose, I for it. Watching probably Paul Connery, Killy McDade, watching a lot of video on him, um, going back over their different games, picking up a few traits, uh, talking with each other and seeing if we can pick up a few bits and pieces off each other. Um, that's, that's kind of more or less it, really, just a bit of study and just probably trying to practice it then in training, implementing it in training. Jason, in the middle of the game, are you aware of how good the game is? Like, uh, you know, Walter's obviously doing incredible stuff, Clifford's doing incredible stuff. And the atmosphere was sensational. Like again, we're, we're, we've it's been a long time since we've had a full house properly at an All Ireland final because of COVID. Uh, are you aware that this is actually turning out to be an all-time classic when you're in the middle of it? Um, funny enough, a lot of fellas would probably say no, but like I think we're we're kind of growing to love um, love what we're doing, kind of soaking it all in. We, we kind of made a conscious effort to enjoy every second of yesterday because um, I suppose a lot of us were around in 2019 and the occasion was, was nearly bigger than the game um, whereas this time I felt like we we enjoyed we enjoyed the battle as much as the occasion enjoyed the, the grind so um, different stages of the game yesterday you're kind of thinking this is, this is, this is fantastic this is great to be in a battle and uh, we kind of had enough belief in ourselves that we'd come uh, on the right side of it, I suppose. Well, that's really interesting because the, the, the belief was obviously 2019. One of the big things was, oh, you guys have experience of All-Ireland Final Day and that's going to stand you in good stead. But actually, you know, maybe 2019 isn't a great experience for you guys to be leaning back on or reliving. But actually, Jack O'Connor talked about the, the Dublin game this year being a, a key moment for you as a group where there's a, a massive prize on the line against an opponent who have beaten you in big games recently but once you come through that you're kind of free from a bit of the burden of that is that true was there just a, an extra sense of confidence because of the Dublin game specifically when the game was in the melting pot yesterday with the final you know 67 minutes it's a draw but you never panicked actually you got much better in those final 5-10 minutes yeah I suppose like it, it, hindsight's a great thing where I suppose like we, we, we talked about post Dublin game within within a half hour after the game we said that like it would it would mean nothing to us if we didn't go on and finish the job off yesterday. So um in hindsight it was it was a big um probably a big moment for the group. Um previous years, you know, we we mightn't have got over the line in games but um we've kinda of grown to love, as I said, love the love the battle, love the grind and love when the game came down so those fine margins we kind of um we relished it so it was, it was nice to be able to come out on the right side of one of them against Dublin and obviously I mean it, it, it would have to give us great confidence going into the week that was last week um, at a Galway had to Yeah and those final 5-10 minutes when you get the opportunity to watch them back you'll see that you're actually creating loads of chances and really 
there was nothing from Galway at that stage that um, was, was threatening you. I, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't feel like that way on the on the pitch, but there was a control of the game that you guys managed to, to seize. We're going to let you go here, lads, because I, I understand that uh, many of your colleagues are already in taxis on the way to the pub. Uh, yes. What what are the plans, Dermot? What's next? Um, I think the football is on about going to the course, heading out for a while, so we may, we may make a trip there. Um, I think we're stopping Kerry Group and Nace on the way down. And God knows that we're actually clearing it in. Yeah, it's going to be some week. Two fellas on about Ibiza next Friday, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> There's say, talks of Vegas next weekend. Like, yeah. Say yes to everything. For it's one week only. Thanks a million, Dermot yeah. O'Connor and Jason Foley. Congratulations, lads. Thanks, yeah. Cheers. Thank Absolutely. Um, that was the, uh, yeah. So we have been talking really about uh, Galway not getting Comer into the game, but it is one of the all-time great man-marking mm. achievements. Like um, Aidan O'Mahony on Michael Murphy is like the last one of those that I really remember in an Ireland final where it's like okay this is going to happen for us because of this and um, yeah it's a type of it's a performance that actually changes the perception of, of a footballer he's now going to be talked about the way Chrissy McKay gets talked about well that's what all Ireland finals do like you build your reputation on those massive games and like to flip it you know like Damien Comer came in as you know maybe an outsider for a footballer of the year and again it doesn't happen for him and you know I, I, as much as we can lay uh, some criticism on Damien Comer's door, like they never got the ball into him on enough occasions, and then they seem to leave him in there for too long and not utilize him enough. So I don't think it was all on Comer, but like they were just like the carry defense. Like remember, we came into the last two three years, every big game was well the carry defense, the carry defense. We're not quite sure. Whereas now, actually, carry of the toughest defense in the country. Yeah, and they're going to. Um they're really going to make it difficult for uh, everybody in the coming years. Right, it is uh, seven minutes past nine. I think we're going back to the, the team hotel. A reminder, OTBIM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, Graham O'Sullivan is with us. Graham, good morning to you. How are you getting on? Morning. I'm not too bad now. Uh, a, nice, a nice quiet night. Uh, where did you end up? Uh, I was here in the hotel in the Gibson and went into D2 and then came back here again. So, yeah, very quiet night. Have you been to bed? Yeah, I've been to bed, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, were, we were just talking to um, a couple of your colleagues there about the build-up and the preparation and everything. What was your, your build-up like? Because, again, Jack O'Connor has talked about the pressure that the team was under. And, uh, you know, we, we, we know from his, history that Kerry fans put the team under a lot of pressure. And, the, you know, that's the, the burden, but it's also the joy then that you can fall back on all the tradition. So what was the build-up like for you in terms of that pressure? Um, yeah, I suppose there was pressure. I kind of probably tried to dislocate myself away from that kind of stuff though a lot um, I'd like to see myself fairly horizontal now like so I kind of try to take things take the, have a bit of crack with stuff really rather than being mounting the pressure on myself that actually comes across as well is um, that you've, you've enjoyed this experience this year and all the great teams they spend so much time in their company we're looking at the Limerick Hurlers and how much time they spend with each other and they have to have that bond if they're going to get through tight games the way you guys have come through this year so it does sound like you've placed an importance as a group on actually having the crack oh yeah absolutely I mean like that's what it's all about there's enough enough stresses out in life um, where football is there to be enjoyed and it's a bit of a freedom for us all so there's definitely emphasis on that even in training stuff that you know of course when it's time to you know tune in and stuff we do do that but otherwise it's, it's about having the crack and enjoying the moment and enjoying being there uh, from your own perspective, you've had a great, a great season and a, a great final as well. How, how have you improved as a footballer this year under this setup? What, like, what, what has given you the freedom to express yourself the way you are at the moment? Um, 
don't know. I suppose my confidence probably has built uh, steadily over the league campaign and stuff, getting the opportunity there. And um, management also instilled a serious belief in myself. Um, and also, I suppose uh, there's big characters out there as well. Um, the other five backs, like, are all uh, big, big characters who I could look to and turn to for advice if I ever needed. And even some fellas there who weren't even on starting 15 who I could always turn to as well and ask for advice. So all that probably accumulated into, into something good for me. Thank God. We were talking with Anthony Moyles earlier on about the role of the, the um, full-back line and how actually you get a lot of opportunities to kick scores and you have to take them because the way that the defence doubles up uh, and the defensive structure that Galway offered in particular, it was going to require people like you popping up with scores. Uh, is that something you've always been confident with and always capable of? Or is that also something that you've added to your game over the last while? Um, I suppose... If you're maybe asked the club, they'd say, would that Phil ever stop shooting? Like, because I'd just be pulling the trigger. Um, but uh, I suppose when it comes to Kerry, yeah, that's probably something that's maybe coming to the game is having a crack at the post. Um, there's times there's, I'd say, there's some fellas that'll be running past Tyke there, he's pulling his hair out, say, what? Is this fella going up the field for again? Um, but yes, they, thank God it came off with a little score for myself, anyways. Well, you can, uh, you can just go with the Jack O'Connor quote from post game yesterday. At the start of the year, he wasn't kicking the ball for love nor money. <laughs> now, 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 now he's one of our best foot passers right and left kicked a great score made two or three others absolute revelation <laughs> I wouldn't kick for love nor money yeah I suppose he was right I was and he did say that we had a, we had a chat and he was just saying like uh, if we just start kicking the ball here you know after that it's a divine intervention if something happens you know it'll happen and uh, I suppose look I did take that on board I tried kick more and it probably steadily improved confidence builds. So when you're when you're on when you're confident, you try things. You know, you take a risk. Um, so maybe that's what I was just taking more risks. Maybe you could, and, and having a go at it. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, what Paddy Talley has brought to the setup. Uh, he was unbelievable in fairness. Um, he just brought maybe a, a mean mentality to us defensively. Anyways. Um, We've been shrewd all year in defence, uh, thanks to him. We were really tight-knit as well, I suppose, back there. Um, conceding, I think, was it only one goal in the championship? Uh, was it a goal in the league? I mean, it's something to be very proud of uh, for in terms of his work. For him, I suppose, that to, to have a, a stat like that at the end of the year. Um, I think we've all definitely become better defensively-minded and probably better defenders uh, because of him too. It's uh, it's not a bad lineage you have down in Drummond Pierce's now when you're following the footsteps of of Jack and of Declan O'Sullivan. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to be part of that club now. Um, I suppose yeah, Jack of course being the manager and then Dick being the player or someone I suppose would be a hero of mine. Anyways, um, when I was growing up watching him play, um, and I obviously wanted to aspire to maybe one day do what he done. So no, I'm a cornerback and he was a centre forward, probably one of the best to do it. So. We're, Two opposite poles. Definitely wouldn't have liked to mark him, that's for sure. But um, yeah, it's it's unreal to be part of. He was he managed the club there as well, and uh, he had some head for it. It was unbelievable. He was he was a great uh, someone for me to lean on there for advice as well. Can you just go back to like making you better defenders? Like obviously the the defensive structure is important, and making sure the forwards are tracking back and and also kind of leading that um, that point. But as as an actual defender yourself, what have you done to become a better defender? Um, I suppose it's just maybe positional awareness um, on the field at times, um, knowing when to step off him, when to push up on him, 
um, when to be really tight and when you can maybe afford not to be so tight were, were important things, I suppose, um, especially inside in the corner, fullback there. You need to be comfortable in, in situations maybe that's when you're one-on-one -on -one and stuff like that. So he made a few little tricks of the trade and were very helpful maybe from the front, if you were marked from the front or the back, things like that. And definitely improving defensive, you know, depending on where the balls come in and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a, an all-round package of improvement, like uh, becoming better kicking, feel free to go forward, have some confidence. And at the same time, you're getting confidence from actually being, if you are stuck one-on-one -on -one for whatever, that's kind of it is a whole package and that seems to be like the quality of the coaching that you guys are getting is is allowing the group to improve collectively oh absolutely yeah it is definitely a full package uh, everything they all have their own little part to play everyone in the management team from Paddy to Jack to Dermot and Mike you know they all give little nuggets of information they've all have some massive experience they've all been there done that so you're kind of getting little nuggets here and there that help you overall game yourself develop but also I suppose the overall the team as well improves off it how important was coming through the last 10 minutes against Dublin where they had put you on the rack and then you recover twice, actually? I, I know we, everybody talks about uh, Shawnee's free to win it, but actually, previous to that, you got the points that gave you the cushion that ultimately meant that Shawnee's free was to win the game, not to equalise, um, which actually showed like great tenacity. How important was that yesterday? Being able to draw on that, I suppose, was probably it was huge because we were after coming from something like that was that last two minutes in Dublin where we were, you know, it was up, we were up against it, and being able to pull from probably that mental state of being in that pressure zone probably helped. And we were under pressure at times yesterday, but you know, I suppose you always maybe had a bit of belief that you know we we can do this. We've been here before. We've we've had to we've had to grind it out, and. Uh, I think one thing we say is that we, we enjoy the grind. We, we enjoy that grind. Of, if it does go there, we're going to enjoy this. We're going to grind it. This time last week, we were talking to William O'Donoghue of Limerick, and he was saying uh, that uh, Groot Hegarty felt they might be renaming the Lee McCarthy the Groot Hegarty Cup. Uh, such was the quality of his performances. A tongue-in-cheek, I think. Uh, is, is David Clifford walking around uh, saying similar? <laughs> no, he's not. That man seriously don't hurt for for his uh his stardom you'd say he's he's absolute class act i mean it's getting to watch him in training you know i have been on the receiving end of some serious toast things but um he is uh, he's just sensational and, and being able to watch him in full flow is unbelievable and he's just one of those fellas that you could just throw the ball into and you know that you know he's going to do something with it he may not score he's he's like outside of his scoring he's a serious playmaker as well so he's kind of the all-round package, really. How does that work at training when uh, they're deciding who's going to mark Clifford? <laughs> I, I don't know. We're like, I don't. We are run away from him. <laughs> uh, thankfully, those decisions aren't. We don't have to make them. Decisions are made for us. So you just have to man up and take it on the chin. Listen, Grant. Congratulations! Uh, an absolutely stunning performance from you. You were definitely in the conversation for man of the match, like even uh, with the Clifford and and Shane Walsh performances. So. It's great to be able to perform on the big day the way you did uh, at, at this stage of your career. There's loads, loads to come. Enjoy whatever comes for the rest of the week and thanks William for talking to us today. Thanks very much. Cheers. It's uh, Graham Sullivan there with an outstanding performance yesterday mm. and just interesting to get a little bit of insight into what they're working on. Turns out they're working on everything. Paddy Talia. Yeah. yeah. Bit of Ulster steel there. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, There's a, a lesson there for everybody. right? We all, we all need a little bit of 
said dancing. I'm hoping, you know, in years to come when the story of this comes out that there was a sort of Brian Clough style moment where he walks into the dressing room and was like, soft. Imagine that. <laughs> soft. Put your medal in the bin. Yeah. OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish here today. Here's what's coming up on OTB Sports Radio for you. Across the day, OTB Gold is the story of Declan Murphy at one o'clock. The latest episode of Koi Gig is at three. Our Culture Hall of Fame is Lenny Abramson. At six o'clock, OTB Gold is Dr. Harry Edwards talking about OJ and uh, that documentary. And then the show is live tonight with more reaction to the Ireland final and the Brian Cody news over the weekend. I don't. I don't think anybody was surprised by Cody's news, were they? Because I think because it had leaked out. Well, I think that's because it had dragged on for three or four days. Uh, I think it was a bit of a surprise when uh, it first came out last Tuesday, and even when David Herity was on during the week saying that he'd heard that last year he was yeah. uh, probably going to go, but was obviously convinced to stay on. Uh, so maybe that took away from it, and the fact that it was football final weekend as well meant everyone. Something else to talk about pretty quickly. It's a pretty interesting job right now, given the quality of player that they have. So, uh, what does Cody do next? Uh, does he do a Mickey Hart on it? Was Eddie O'Connor saying is he going to save uh, hurling in you know, Mayo know. or Dublin? somewhere like that? Dublin, the Dublin job. That would be interesting. Did you hear this? Was, I did was not this, hear that. No, I'm, I'm floating this now. This is uh, right. We will continue our uh, tribute to his incredible career. Um, here's Brian Hogan talking over the course of the weekend. We're back after this with Carl Maloney in the studio. There much said in front of the group, uh, Brian. Was there much said at half time? Was there much said after games when you'd won all Ireland's? Was it, or is it just that kind of silence and the words chosen carefully from Brian? Um, just different occasions. I can I can think of different occasions during during my career where he would have um, maybe taken taken hold of things. Um, you know, the, the perception that he maybe would have been standing in the dressing room before a match or a half time reading the riot act is actually quite far from the truth. Um, I remember one occasion where he did uh, he did take hold of the situation down in Turles, and uh, we were playing Limerick in a quarter final. That was one of very few occasions where he he said he was going to speak and no one else. And, and but other than that, it was very much over to the players. He would have tended to do his, done his talking on a Friday night um, before the championship matches in Owen Park, and, and you know he'd say obviously he'd say a couple of words in the dressing room, and then it would be handed over to the kind of the players, the senior players in the, in the warm-up room before you go out and call park. Then those guys would drive it on. Um, you know, but there, there were, there were, look, he, 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 had, he definitely had a, a great ability to, to, to say the right thing. You know, I mean, remember we drew with Galway in 2012 and, you know, there was a, that injury time free um, to level the match and we came in and there was a kind of this, you know, the, the, the whole rigmarole that goes with North Ireland in terms of getting time off the banquets, all the tickets, the, every, everything that goes with it and there was a kind of a sense of anti-climax and you know um, disappointment even though we drew the match you know in the dressing room and he called us into the warm-up area and um, once everyone was showered and dressed and everything and uh, just pointed out that you know uh, players play all their career and never get the opportunity to play in an iron final you're you're living out your childhood dream and you're now getting the opportunity to play the biggest game uh, of the calendar year twice in three weeks and I just remember the whole mood in the dressing room completely flipping. Um, I remember leaving, walking out the door to get on the bus, and everyone was buzzing. You know, everyone couldn't wait to get into training on the uh, on the Tuesday night. So things like that, I suppose, where you know, just the psychology just switched completely. You know, from feeling sorry for yourself to almost you know buzzing to at the fact you're going to get another crack at another final in three weeks. So things like that, you know. But um, yeah, look, he was he was as I said to you. 
24 years is a long time. You know, he's he's had several different teams um, through his hands, you know, and um, generations of players, if you like. And uh, I think, you know, a bit like Alex Ferguson, I know I'm sure the parallels will be drawn, but you can't see it. Once your doesn't work, you know, he's, he's, you kind of have to have, have to be able to evolve and adapt as well, you know. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right at 9.22, Carl Milani is with us. Carl, good morning to you. How are you? Hi, lads. How's it going? Uh, what a weekend. Oh, yeah. It was great. Um, the final yesterday was just... Uh, I mean, it's... The dust is settling on now, I suppose. It probably is up there in terms of the quality of recent All-Ireland finals in the modern era. I was We were speculating whether it was up to the standard of Mayo Dublin in 16 and 17. I'm not sure. Let's not lose the run of ourselves. <laughs> We're all delighted for Kerry and Galway. They tried their best. But let's... Like, Mayo Dublin 2017 is the greatest game of all time. I would agree. Dublin, uh, the best team of all time at their absolute peak. Yeah. Uh, but the, the quality of forward play yesterday... Is 2017 the the GPS? Last minute, yes. yeah. Lee Keegan scores the goal. Mayo two points up with six minutes to go. Yeah, yeah. And they somehow managed to blow Dub- it. Be <laughs> Again. What? Again. Mayo were in front? What? Individual, like, it, there can't be too many finals where two individuals produce performances. Yeah. Like Clifford and Walsh. And is Walsh's performance the best on a losing team in an All-Ireland final, or have you figured that out yet? Um, it's definitely up there. Uh, it has to be up there with any performance in an All-Ireland final, I would say. David earlier on was saying, uh, obviously Peter Canavan kicks 11 points. Mm. Like, that was kind of a one-man team kind of in this like at least he, McDade is chipping in ah, but it, it felt as though Walsh was the one who was Anthony said you know, he just he grabbed the game and he yeah. sort of said to all the Galway players like we're not going to be overawed by this we're going to step up we're going to have our big game on the biggest day mm. and you know, he's taken a lot of stick over the last couple of years I know listening to the football pod they were constantly questioning him last season of we know the talent is there. We know the genius is there. Yeah, I mean, he he does. He he was brutalised mm. off the ball by Mayo in the Leinster final and was never or in the Connacht final in Croke Park and was never fit after that. Like, we do need to stop that happening. You shouldn't be allowed to ruin his season by pulling him to the ground off the ball. That should have been like, this is actually a key issue in Gaelic football where you are allowed to damage talent. All the other sports in the world have managed to fix this no tackle from behind in football anymore. Well, the same thing happened in, against Armagh. Yeah, constantly. Yeah, and um, and that's why it's like, uh, do we want do we want to see the best players playing the way he played yesterday, or do we want to allow some somebody who's not as talented ruin mm. the impact on the game? No, it's a man sport. <laughs> it's a man sport. <laughs> Well, I think Kevin McStay has made that point in his article in the Irish Times in recent weeks as well about the off-the-ball stuff and yeah. Jay that it has to be addressed. And, yeah. But look at it, I, I think every team is at it uh, in some shape or form. But I think it, the game kind of went along the lines that possibly was expected and that Kerry just had that little bit more quality off the bench. And I think the point was made in the Sunday game last night that their conditioning might be further down the line than Galway is, uh, slightly. But you just wonder from Galway's point of view, are they going to get back to a, this stage again where they'll get an opportunity and a crack at a final like this? Because you have to remember the round-robin stage is coming in next year where it um, might be a little yeah. bit more difficult to negotiate. Ray Silk said um, yesterday that he Liam Silk is heading off for a year. Um, mm. So he won't be around, and that's he expected Conroy that to be his last game. Mm. Um, so it's a different team next year, and not to say that they won't be able to replace those players, but 
you know, very, very well, important. There, there wasn't the depth uh, to come on off the bench, and as you say, like Walsh and Comer are obviously going to be huge players for the next two or three years, but you know, they're quickly heading for 30 as well. And Leon Silk is uh, close to being an all star this year, probably will be an all star, you know. Um, so if he's not there, then it is difficult for them to get back to that level. If Thomas Sullivan doesn't get an all star, like, like it. Brings to the fore again the debate: Do we put way too much on the vinyl? Like, if you can, you go into. Like, did Thomas Sullivan do much wrong yesterday? Um, like, uh, what should he have done? Should he have nailed Shane Walsh in the first minute? Uh, no, well, I mean, you no, know, I think, yeah, I think Walsh was just unplayable yesterday yeah. at times. And uh, did they not move? I, I thought at one stage they had moved somebody over to him. Um. But anyway, yeah, it seemed at times they had like one marking and one kind of trying to shadow him. For example, that point uh, when he came in across from the Hogan stand and cut inside the little gap between the two players. But mm, I'm not sure. Also, like you put yourself in contention for an Ulster, I think, if you have a huge game in an All Ireland final because you produce it on the biggest day. I think that's the point. Yeah, yeah. I think that like we sometimes we don't put enough on the All Ireland final. Mm. Like, no, but I think you could, I, I think I absolutely get that. But it shouldn't if you don't have your best game in the All Ireland final and you're top three in the country for the rest of the championship. Now I know, like you know, who did Kerry beat until you know they beat Dublin and Galway? But yeah. yeah, he was unbelievable that day and the yeah. games before that, kicking points, stopping the players, Martin kicking points. Yeah, yeah, he's probably the Justice top defender in the country up until yesterday yeah definitely um, but then yeah I don't know the, the All-Stars is going to be very interesting but you would think like McDade has to be in the conversation after yesterday I would say he's he's probably nailed on four points in an All-Ireland final Walsh for Galway is Comer after yesterday Oof. probably not have you got to get Rian O'Neill in there uh, yeah, yeah where does Rian O'Neill get in um, I think he was on the Sunday game team I think he was in midfield Neil possibly Buffy. yeah I mean, you've got to get Clifford, possibly the Poddy Clifford. Uh, does Sean O'Shea? Sean O'Shea has to be in. You know, so you're running out of position. The game team had Comer in. They had a full forward line of Walsh, Comer, and Clifford. Yeah. So no Poddy. Is Poddy Clifford there? Poddy, Sean O'Shea, and Kieran Kilkenny. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe maybe Sean Lee doesn't make it. Oh, he's got to make it. Well, didn't he's play well yesterday. No, Wasn't really in the game. Obviously, kicked but, the score of the summer. Yeah. Kerry aren't there if Sean O'Shea isn't there in the semi-final yeah that's his job mm. his job is kick these things yeah I yeah. don't know uh, I it, look it, I, I'm, I'm not a selector and, uh, but I'm looking forward <laughs> to uh, criticising the decision that the selectors make either way uh, down the line one one quick point somebody was we were talking about the free at the end and how it was very important um, Gavin White's shoulder was completely legitimate mm. it was like the best shoulder of the summer Um yeah, I could see how if Kerry had lost, they'd be like, "Hang on a second now, hang on a second. What? What? How did that happen?" So maybe they do even themselves out over the course of the game. What else is going on? Uh, well, in golf yesterday, Darren Clark completed a unique double. He clinched the Senior Open title at Glen Eagles. He finished on ten under par. That was one shot better than Porrick Harrington Clark. Birdie the 18th to hold off Harrington, uh, who carded six back nine birdies. And uh, Clark, of course, won the Open Championship in 2011. So he becomes just the fourth player to win the regular Open and the Senior Open title. Uh, some Irish athletes in action at the World Athletics Championships overnight. Sarah Lavin just 
just missing out on a place in the final of the 100 metres hurdles. Uh, the Limerick native finished fifth in her semi-final in Oregon in a time of 12.87 seconds of performance she was very pleased with. Yesterday afternoon, Brendan Boyce produced a season's best performance to finish in 25th in the 35-kilometre walk final. The Donegal man clocked a time of 2 hours, 33 minutes and 31 seconds. Jonas Vingago says his childhood dream has come true after winning the Tour de France for the first time. He crossed the line safely at the end of the final processional stage in Paris. He had uh, just less than three minutes ahead of defending champion Tade Pogacar. Uh, England's women have received a boost ahead of Tuesday's Euro 2022 semi-final. Aston Villa goalkeeper Hannah Hampton has rejoined the squad. That's after recovering uh, from coronavirus that ruled her out of the quarter-final win against uh, Spain. And of course in racing today, the Galway Racing Festival gets underway. The first of seven races in Ballybrick goals to post at 10 past five and also in one line of Darts News. Michael Van Gerwen celebrating a third World Match Play title. He beat Gerwen Price by 18 legs to 14 in last night's final that took place in Blackpool. 430 grand Darren Clark wins for his week's work. Not, not bad. Now that the live money has come in it's kind of ruined your sense of like what, what good money in golf is but that's not bad. Uh, I think money has ruined golf uh, is, and the, the PGA Tour have a uh, big part to play in that. Everything has become about money rather than prestige for the last decade but yes well done Darren Clark and it's a pretty illustrious list. Tom Watson, Gary Player. Mm. Uh, he was already on some pretty illustrious list because of that but um, uh, one last thing the Camogie at the weekend uh, somewhat overshadowed by the All-Ireland Football Final yeah to an extent I guess um, two very entertaining games Cork and Waterford was the first game in Crow Park on Saturday and Waterford started brilliantly they were in their first uh, semi-final since 1959 they hadn't been in a final since 45 they led by five points to no score at one stage and the big news ahead of that game was Ashling Thompson who was due to be suspended for two matches the ban was overturned on Saturday morning and she was listed among the subs came on when they were 5-0 down and they won by 15 points to 10. So Ashling Thompson's introduction was a huge part of their comeback there. And uh, they were four down at halftime, but finished really strongly. So they're into the final. They'll play Kilkenny. Uh, they beat Galway, with the reigning champions, by uh, four points, I think it was, in the end, 113 to 12 in the uh, second match. Galway had chances. They, Kilkenny defending was really, really good. So uh, Cork and Kilkenny in the final. That's taking place on the 7th of August. So the ladies' football finals are next weekend, and then the Camogie finals uh, the following weekend. So two more weekends of big action across. Park. Right, good stuff. Um, I, were you cheered for Galway as a Sligo man? Is that was, like absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I vaguely, vaguely remember 2001, so uh, that's the only time I've seen Sam. Well, they were, I was alive in 98, but I don't remember it. But uh, 2001, and I watched uh, A Year Till Sunday, of course. Is that the, that's the name, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Watched that during the week and uh, heard the Saw Doctors on my way into work here yesterday morning. Oh, so I was like, sign. That, had to be, that had to be a sign, you know? But uh, unfortunately, seen all happen. those signs through the years. <laughs> Turns out it's never a sign. Yeah. No, no. Um, okay, the lines when I made the comments, but I've done that one. Sorry. Um, one of the great individual All Ireland finalist plays of all time, says Pat Callagher. This is true. Will Galway make it back next year? I don't think they make the semis next year, says Connor Flynn. Uh, Ger always says they have to make a deal. The European Tour on the Saturdays. I'm reminded of Michael Caine and Batman about the Joker. Some men just want to watch the world burn. I mean, you know, that's potentially also true this might be a much bigger geopolitical play that we don't understand oh, absolutely uh, Dahi says Liverpool added Carvalho who looks promising adding Thiago and Fabinho that's a taste of midfield Galway are in a far better place than Mayo says Shane maybe they are we're all in the same place right now I think you'll find um, well the power rankings will come out and uh, we'll see what that when will the power rankings? I don't know what kind what of I, what kind of estate do you think Owen well, Sheehan? Well, well, Owen Sheehan. I've heard rumours uh, for the good of the show, according to Owen, for the good of the show, is going to go to Kerry tonight. 
All right. And maybe there broadcasting live from Kerry. Just for the good of the show, I think I can get some really good content uh, for the homecoming. That's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Interesting editorial decision he's just yeah. made there. Yes. Fair play. Yes. Come on, Ot. For the good of the show. Right, it is 9.33. OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Oh, don't finish. There might be something else happening. Oh, we, oh there oh. could be something. Oh, there's a surprise talking, coming. Uh, right. Just needs to give a bit more than that. Just keep talking. Okay, yeah. Um, tomorrow, we have uh, more reaction to, it turns out, from Owen and Kerry. We're now we're now co-located. Should we tomorrow. should we stamp this out right now and say no? Oh, come in, come into the office. Oh, you've you got to be in the office. here and uh, not enjoy. Has he taken today off or has he just not turned up? Oh, he's taken today off. In okay. fairness, it was uh, pre-planned. I think it was pre-planned as a defence mechanism in case they lost. Yeah. But then it turned into yeah, it's a well, I, can't, I can't go in now. Mm. It's like it's five o'clock in the morning. Uh, I presume he's just getting up around about now because he heard rumours of all the Kerry lads going to the boar's head. And him being the ultimate hanger-on wants to make sure he's there too for the photos for Insta. Um, but it's funny how, oh, we met Owen, yeah, he was in good form. <laughs> Others were writing you off, I always had you in the top two in the power rankings, even when you were doing nothing. In fairness, he did have the number one from early on. There was the, He tried his best to yarrow it all away, but he, could, he couldn't make it work. Um, so we'll have more post-match reaction from Croke Park in a few minutes' time. Obviously, James O'Donoghue was on the radio and Paddy Andrews was uh, with Tommy and the football pod will drop tonight um, live from the uh, the homecoming, I suppose. Well, well, former players go to the homecoming? Ah, yeah. yeah I think so. I think this, so. Is, this is a damn burst now. Right. This, is the, this is the birth of a, a new era. Yeah. They definitely were talking that way this morning. Like Jack O'Connor's words were, you lads don't understand the pressure. The pressure they were under. And now that they're free of that pressure... I'm not sure do they dominate. I don't no. think they do. I don't think they do. I think we're in a spell. I think we're in a spell of quite a few teams winning yeah. Ireland's. Like, including the Dubs winning most of them. But uh, uh, who is going to score the points that Dublin needs? Con O'Callaghan. Yeah, well, Con's injury profile is now not not great. It's a couple of years he hasn't been available for uh, all the big games. So and maybe he goes to the Harbors. Yeah. Well, Brian Cody takes the gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Best herder in the country. Well, it's going to be very interesting at uh, close season with all the managerial jobs in the football up for grabs. And you would think certain appointments in certain counties would certainly give those counties a jolt. And then, obviously, Galway getting so close as well is going to give a lot of counties belief, you would think. Let's uh, go back to the team hotel. Jack Savage, good morning to you. How are you? Not too bad, no less. How are you? How's the head? It's, it's great, to be honest. It's, it's waking up as an Ireland champion. It feels a bit different now today. Um, Voice is a bit hoarse, but I was going to say <laughs> that that suit, that's, that's Jack. Good. Is that the is that the Sunday suit or is that the Monday suit? There we got we got two shirts, so we're, we're fine out. We got the same suit for two shirts, so we'll be wearing it down to Chile today for homecoming. So it's it's you know what, it's a great buzz here today. It's fucking it's unbelievable to be part of it. You know we've eight years in the making. It's a long time coming. So I think just everyone is just over the moon to be finally uh, get over the line and just get the medal in the back pocket. I think so. Yeah. How, how was this season for you in retrospect like were, was it enjoyable along the way was there extra pressure as each step got closer and uh, closer uh, like, I'm back in this year now for the first time in a couple of years and uh, it was just unbelievable to be part of a great group of players like you know the, the management team everything kind of just fell into place this year I think the, from Paddy Telly to Jack O'Connor like they kind of set in stone from the start like what was going to be expected of everyone and 
everyone just rode in behind it, even if you got one minute, two minutes, whatever it was, you know, the whole team just kind of rode in together. And uh, you could see that when they, when they kind of put up a call, they put up against us yesterday, we kind of really dug deep and we, we came out on top, thank, thankfully, yesterday. So, yeah, it was just some experience from start to finish, like, and unbelievable to get over the line in the end. That was the main thing, I think. That was the goal at the start of the year. One of the things that has been fairly consistent from everybody is talking about enjoying the grind. And that seems to be a bit of a mantra for you guys that like it, there are going to be moments of difficulty and actually rather than feeling pressure in those moments, you know, pressure is a privilege yeah. is the old cliche. To be honest, like it was it was a bit too close to comfort now yesterday. Um, I, I, I kind of expected us to kind of be a bit, start off better than we did like, but in fairness to all the boys, everyone dug deep and uh, Galway, like there's massive credit to Galway because they really put, put us to the sword yesterday, but... Thankfully, we showed our class in the end and we really just dug deep. And once we got ahead, I, I didn't think we'd lose it after that. But it was just getting to getting ahead was the main thing and uh, just pushing on. And I think from every fellow that came on, every fellow that kind of started yesterday, really just dug deep. And credit has to go to Galway. They're a great team. like, And they'll, they'll be back again, no doubt. But just for ourselves, it was just unbelievable to get over the line, as I said. Yeah, definitely. And on a personal level, when, when you're... Uh, warming up and, and coming on what's that like for you I, you know how do you make sure that you're at the right pitch of the game not too excited not too over exuberant but also you really want to make an impact so how do you how do you get that right I just think everyone from every sub could have come on and you know you just you just don't know what way it's going to go I just think you have to be ready for your, for your chance and look I, I only came on for two or two minutes yesterday but you know it's just being a part of it and coming on and just getting on the ball and just doing doing simple things and just Helping the team out, I suppose, was just the main thing. And I think the team spirit was was echoed from the start of the year. Like, no matter if you're number one, 26, 35, everyone was on the same level. And you could see that throughout the whole team. I think it's just coming on and just, just getting on the ball and doing your thing. I think the panel spirit was was the main thing that the management kind of echoed from the start of the year. Just if you're number one, 26, 35, everyone is the same role. We're, we're all one team. And that was, that was evident throughout the game, definitely. You said there you were you were out for a couple of years. The decision to come back in was that easy? Was it straightforward, or were you thinking like I'm not sure it's going to be worth a while? I just to be honest, I didn't think I'd get a chance after getting dropped in 2017, and I had a good club campaign last year. And it's just obviously when you're not there, looking in from the outside is totally different. Like you'd miss it like 100. percent But just to get the chance again to walk the Hogan steps yesterday, like it's just something you never forget. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And the you obviously had to keep ready to, and you obviously wanted to get back. The, the club was a huge springboard for you clearly in giving you the confidence to go back in and then to be able to perform when you got there yeah 100% yeah look the the, the elite level at the county is the pinnacle of your career I suppose and that's that's, that's someone where everyone wants to go in the carry jersey like not many people get to do it so just I'm so fortunate to have done it and to be a part of it and just to, to win an Ireland medal is just to top it off like you know you, you'll never forget these days like when you look back in your career like 100% yeah it's just it's great the um the halftime team talk I think is is gonna go down and as the stuff a legend. What was said in the dressing room at halftime? Um, I just you know what it was simple enough. Like I, fellas knew they weren't performing to the level we could like, but that has to go to go, the credit has to go to goal in that respect as well because like Shane Walsh there and a few more they were unbelievable like and I think we just came in and we reset at halftime and we just we said we go back out here look we have thirty minutes thirty five minutes here that's the season wrapped up after that like you can't believe any stone unturned and. In fairness, look, we came out, we, we dug deep, we get over the line, and it's just we look back in that day, you know, yesterday for a long, long time, and you know, it's, it's just a privilege to be honest. Jack, we let you go. 
congratulations again uh, enjoy yeah. whatever's coming next it's going to be a bit of madness but um, oh, yeah, thanks very much lads great to have well you done. well deserved yeah uh, right OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day um, the Kerry celebrations it turns out are going to they're going to go on Ibiza or Vegas I'd go Ibiza choice. it's quicker no jet lag oh yeah more fun in Vegas a bit further away from home won't run into too many more Kerry people uh, there's camera phones everywhere yeah there's always Kerry jersey in every in everywhere everywhere you go OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar